Farmers Insurance knows the difference between a car hitting your bumper and a clown car hitting your bumper. Sorry about that. Because we covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Many, 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 listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a name. I like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Crate alongside, as always, King of Banter, yada yada, Joe Lanz. This is the third time we try to do this intro. Joe, how are you doing? I am in a great mood, Rich. How are you? <laughs> I am fantastic. I, um, I'm doing well. Third time is the charm, definitely. We've uh, we've started the show a few times already, but uh, this was our best start yet, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I was I was all pumped up and in a great mood, and I was you know excited, and apparently in my exuberance because I was too loud, believe it or not. It threw off uh, the recording uh, software and destroyed our our uh, our show. So we had to start over twice. Mm-hmm. All the so, show, we recorded two and a half hours and it was all gone. No, it's, it's a lot. We went like twenty seconds, but uh, that was my best open I've ever done, and, and it's lost. I got all the all the nicknames, nailed them, and it's lost forever. Rich said all eight nicknames. <laughs> right. I was super exuberant. Nailed them in order, the order that I knew you would prefer them. I I, I got right. it. I nailed it. You were excited. I was excited. It was. Without a doubt, the best show open we've ever done, ever. And then I screamed, and it was all... Now, let me ask you a question. If that's how the software works... Rich, I don't know if you're aware. I'm a man who tends to get excitable on the show. Um, how come that's never happened before? I don't know. You were particularly loud on this moment. I don't know what, what you were... I, it, it was louder than usual, so I don't know. You, you messed Google up a little bit with well, that. Well, listen, life is good, and I'm in a great mood, and I'm happy. And I feel like the last few weeks, this has been a very sour show. I don't know why. We've been grumpy. We've been going at people. Uh, The tone has not been upbeat at all. And this week, I'm in a great mood. There's there's fun things to talk about. Rich, Daniel Bryan is back. And he's 0 to 10, too. It's like, it's not even, and and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. We're going to talk about the Daniel Bryan thing is awesome. And the fact that he doesn't come in with kid gloves, he just goes out there and like, fucking just does peak Daniel Bryan stuff, bouncing all over the place, taking bumps, doing all that sort of stuff. Awesome to see. Yeah, it's a great moment for him to come back. And he comes back, not with kid gloves, not with headgear, just comes in fucking blasting. Rich, Zack Sabre Jr. was made a star in the span of a week by New Japan Wrestling. Four matches. I got a star. Rich, Dragon Gate has rolled out an over-the-top subscription service. It's like the hardest company in the world to try to follow. There's so many great things happening. The path to greatness is going to be revealed today. There's so TLB's getting a boob job. I mean, <laughs> that's a shoot, by the way. In case people are, there's so many great things going on in the world, you know. And it's like I talked her up from like. A full C to to a D. The good guys win sometimes, Rich. It's 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 a it's a great world that we're in. You're so happy you use an emoji this week, and I have proof of it. I've saved it. 
for the first time ever again or like i don't use emojis ah, emojis i have proof forever i have for the first time ever in my life i have tweeted an emoji and it was when tlb was at her little pre-op meeting and made the decision to go a little bit bigger on the boobs and she let me know and i believe i tweeted back a hundred eggplants (laughs) so I not only tweeted my first ever emoji, I went big with the emoji. Okay, I didn't, I, you know, I, I went all, all in with the emoji. A full screen of eggplants. And man, am I a happy man, Rich. Because life is good right now. I can't get any better than it. Did you know, Rich, I will be Joe Lanza, Tinder Mahal as I was once known, that Joe Lanza will be married in less than a month. Oof. A married man. That's inconceivable to some <laughs> it, is, it is difficult as someone who unfortunately talks to you for three hours every single week it is it is indeed inconceivable that that would ever happen do you even know what directions you're going to go in when we do the wife swap podcast for the lands on the return of lands unfiltered i don't even know i don't even know if i want to know we can talk about uh, you know i, I can I, I have experience with uh, with with d-sized breasts so that should be uh, that should be a good conversation you know a lot about joe lanza you you know the angles you're going to hit here because I think it's like everyone thinks I'm going to be the crass one. I think you are going to be more crass than me on your half of that Lands on Filter episode. I tell you, I have my cold open all set for that episode of Lands Unfiltered. In fact, it's being recorded tomorrow. Um, and Rich, and for the scant few who are going to understand this reference, I got two words for you, Rich. Those words are big kangaroo. <laughs> How about that? How's that for inside baseball? But that's going to be the cold open for that show. So just to set the scene. So I don't know what your line of questioning is going to be, but I don't know if you're, you're planning on going down that road, but it'll be all set on the T for you. If, okay. if that was okay. yeah, on, your, yeah. on your run sheet, it was on the you know agenda. What I'm it was definitely on the agenda. The big kangaroo. Oh, it was. So, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just a little bit about the big kangaroo. I mean, I don't want to get too much into you know yeah. the old big kangaroo, but uh, big it, kangaroo. it was definitely on there for sure. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. So um, <laughs> there. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do that podcast, but at some point, because uh, Michelle's life is pretty crazy for the next few weeks, and and you know I'm out. And my life is pretty crazy. Yeah, so we should probably just hold it. It's gonna be a little while, but uh, once our lives that's what they get back call together, in biz, that's what they call a teaser. Uh-huh. It's coming, and to hear that the return of Lands Unfiltered and all future Lands Unfiltered, you got to get on the Voice of the Wrestling subscription page of Patreon, the five dollar option. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. You never know that you are. I never know what the hell. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. You can look up Voice of Wrestling Patreon. I'm sure it's going to come up right away anyway. That's but right. Our listeners are smart. They, can they're, just they're, they are a smart bunch. They are indeed a smart bunch. I, I'll give them that. There's there's a few that are are obviously, you know, but but for the majority are, are, are smart. Definitely smarter than like your run-of-the-mill wrestling podcast. I feel like our – I'd put up our, our, our fans, our listeners up against any pro wrestling podcast, and I think they are the – would you say that the smartest bunch? I mean, I, I, think bunch. Just, I mean, now look, I think I think some of them are dumb as a box of rocks. Okay, because when you got to deal with our mentions, okay, you know, some of these people <laughs> but are, are those listeners, or are those I, just I people feel that like hate a lot us? Of them are probably listeners. I feel like they're a kind lot of, of them. there are a few class listeners. The guys that you know, oh, you guys are always wrong. Well, I don't know why you listen every week. Like you don't have to. 
I'm glad you do. But, you that's because we're listen. That's because we're super compelling. I mean, that's why they listen. That's why they're listening right now. And they, they they've got their finger over. They they're either on their phone or they're on their little laptop. They got their finger over the X, but they can't do it, Rich. They got to hear the hot takes. They got to hear what we're going to say about Daniel Bryan. You know what they didn't hear? They didn't hear what we had to say about the fabulous Mula. Okay, so I think that we should address that because there was a bit of controversy with our decision to uh, edit out what I guess what was it about twenty minutes of show last week or it was something? Forty I don't even minutes, know how long. Joe. It was thirty-eight minutes. We did thirty-eight minutes on that shit. Yes. Okay, that's because you know why we did thirty-eight minutes on that shit that I didn't even want to talk about to begin with. We constantly repeat ourselves. It's a bad habit. It's like we could have done it in like fifteen minutes, but we get on a roll. And we just make the same points over and over. Look, Joe, I, I think you're right. We could have definitely done it in 15 minutes, but instead we stretch out to 40 minutes because we repeat ourselves too often. So I, I think you are right in when you say that. Oh, you, I tell you, you're good. You're good, Krejci. You're good. But here's the thing. A lot of controversy surrounding the fact that we axed it out of there. So we should probably explain ourselves yeah, oh, for sure. on audio this week. I mean, we explained it on Twitter 19 times. We explained it on the forum. Voiceofwrestling.com slash forums. Did I get one right? You did. You got it. Nailed it. Okay. I got one right. Can you tell me a little nasally this week? I, a little bit. Yeah. Is, are, are the allergies out or what, what's going on there? No allergies. I've been fighting a bit of a strep throat earlier in the week. Wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make it. Now I'm battling a bit of a, I don't know, a cold, I guess. I've never had the flu. And I still have never had the flu. I want to make close a note. Get close. All those kids. It's probably the kids, right? Probably because they're There's all a lot sick. of germ. Yeah. You got like a germ explosion going on in but your what house. What the hell? Now, so. I haven't been sick since the Clinton administration. All of a sudden, you know, I got these little kids running around. Kids are disgusting. They're always eating dirt. And God only knows what the kids are doing. Kids are just disgusting. Yeah, I believe. It's unbelievable. You know, I'm wiping snot all day long. Of course, I'm going to get sick. So, um, but anyway, I'm a little nasally. But yeah, the moolah thing. So here's the thing. I mean, you know, there were starting to be some rumblings that we ended up. I also explained it in my like, because when I deleted, I also did like a little recording of like, hey, this is why we deleted it. But apparently people right. didn't really catch on to what we were saying. So whatever. Well, here's what I don't understand. For people who think that we were hiding some kind of salacious content that was going to like, you know, make us look bad or something. We didn't have to say anything. <laughs> we could have just edited it out. Never said that we talked about it and then wouldn't have to deal with any criticism. Instead, we told you we edited it out. We told you that we were wrong. We took giant, fat, enormous L's and admitted it. Who would do that if they were trying to avoid taking a fat, giant, enormous L? We basically told everybody we were wrong and we were proven wrong 10 minutes after the show ended. And we sounded like a couple of goofs. So what's the point? And then we, and then for 40 minutes, basically for 40 minutes, we preached to the audience why they were all stupid yes. for thinking that the company was going to change the name. Okay. Well, the company did change the name. So that's 40 minutes of just pointless content, which because the show had not been released yet, we had the luxury of just eliminating. Uh, now, if the show had already been released, we would have left it there. We've never cut anything out of the show. Once the show is, once the show hits the streets, it's out there. Right, we've, we've been, never we've never gone back unless there's like a segment where I forgot to cut it out where like we you know our, our our mics dropped or something like that and I'm waiting for you to get back online or whatever. That's it. Only if I catch those sort of things. But I've never gone back and went, oh my god, Joe, at at two hours and fifteen minutes you said this and I don't think we should say that. So let's never ever right. ever has that happened ever. 
we picked the wrong winner of a match. We got to get that out. No, we don't do that shit. I mean, once it's out there, it's out there. And we've been wrong many times before. I mean, just listen to the, the New Japan Cup preview that we did for the last <laughs> Tuesday. But it's like our Wrestle Kingdom preview where I think I said 99.9% sure that Naito was going to win. And I think you were like, I don't know. I'm at 90 or whatever. And then- yeah, and then, and then we both said that Jay White was 100%. To, to beat Tanahashi. Right. <laughs> and and I said I would bet my house on it. So, I mean, I should... We have lost a lot of houses over these days. We have bet a lot I've of houses on a lot of bad bets over the years. I've lost a lot of houses. So the point here is, I, I don't understand the people coming at it from the angle of, oh, you're trying to avoid an L. I mean, we took the L. I mean, the first thing you put on Twitter was, I will gladly... I think your exact words were, I will gladly take this L. I was wrong. Yes. So we don't want to put people... I like, But what surprised me and I'm not bothered by this at all, I was kind of intrigued by it, is that people still wanted to listen to us be wrong. And that's kind of a compliment. Um, I get, you know, we would have sounded, it would have been like weird to listen to us preaching something that, you know, it was already, but it's like, there were a lot of people who suggested put it on the subscription page, which on the service isn't a bad idea. Here's why I, I, quickly changed course on that and changed my mind. And we haven't even talked about this, me and you. This is the first time we're actually talking about this. You, when the Moolah news broke, full disclosure, Rich sent me like a text message or something and said, hey, did you see the Moolah news? I think we should probably edit that out of the podcast because it's just, it's pointless. And I think my response was like, yeah, man, whatever, do whatever you want. I didn't even put a ton of thought into it. I was just like, okay, man, go ahead. You know, if you think that's best, fine. Um, But then when people were – and, and that, that's, that's the extent of the thought that went into it, by the way. I mean, that's the entire conversation. And then um, you know, once the show hit, a lot of people were like, put it behind the paywall just so you know, we can listen to it and laugh at you. And, and while that's a good theory on paper, because I think we do do a very self-depreciating show at times. I think that we're the first people to laugh at ourselves. That, that's not a problem for us. But I kind of felt di- – I would have felt dirty putting that behind a paywall because – the implication from a lot of people was already out there that we were hiding something salacious. And then it kind of would have looked like, okay, here's the, the bad things that we said that we were hiding, but we want you to pay $5 to hear it. Right. Right. A little bit more of like, yeah, it, it, a little bit more of the controversy creates cash type thing of like, Oh, we said some shit, pay us yes. $5 and you'll hear it. It's like, yeah, it was, it was, that's a little weird. I, and I think that's sleazy. I think, that's, that, yeah. I think that would have felt sleazy, <clears throat> even though we didn't say anything controversial. No, it, it would have felt, it would have felt like a bait and switch. The implication would have been that the implication would have been yes. that we said something sleazy and now we're going to make you pay to hear it because we right. took it off the and normal then, podcast. We took off the free thing. Now you can pay to hear our, our hot thoughts on the Moolah controversy. And, and, and it wasn't that are, at all. And, and then what are people going to do? They're going to look, they're going to hyper-focus and look for things that are controversial. Because we did that, and I was—I just—it felt dirty to me. I don't want people's money under those circumstances. I just don't. I, I don't want people like Trevor Dame. He's a—he's a guy who listens to this show. He does that ROH. What's he call his ROH? Uh, the ROH it. years. The ROH years. ROH through the years or something. Yeah, yeah. It's got—it's got weird NXT takeover lettering in the title. Uh, yeah, ROH through the years or some shit. But it's a great show where he's watching years, ROH as the as the it, it's T H and then capital R O H the years. It's on the cupspan.com yeah. if if you ever interested in listening. It's great. It's it, it if you ever want to kind of relive Ring of Honor's glory days, it's a great, great, great option for you. Yeah, he he watches every Ring of Honor show from the beginning and they they review them. They have a lot of fun with it. I listened to the first few and they were excellent. But anyway, he's a listener to this show and he said, Hey, look, I'm not a Patreon subscriber, but if you put that mula stuff behind the paywall, I will I will 
buy a subscription and screenshot it. And look, he was being good natured about it. He just wanted to hear us sound like goofs. But I still, I just felt, at first I was like, maybe it's a good idea. But then I just, I felt dirty. It would have made me feel dirty. Believe it or not, Rich, Joel Lanza has some morals. And I, I, I just didn't feel, I felt like that was a dirty move. So we, me and you never even ended up discussing it. So, uh, you know, it never even got that far. But, um, but anyway, that's the gist of it. I mean, it's, I don't know. I guess you could argue either way. Our whole thing was just the show wasn't out yet. So we had an opportunity to get rid of something that we felt was pointless. That's the bottom. Right, right. And I think it wasn't necessarily that, you know, if, if we were wrong about it of thinking, hey, they're not going to change. It wasn't necessarily that you and I discussed, hey, we don't think they're going to change it. And here's the reasons why we don't think they're going to change it. Da, 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 da. It wasn't that. It was 40 minutes of us telling you you're dumb for thinking they're going to change it. It was 40 minutes of us lecturing you about, oh, and, and, and when I'm saying you is this like ambiguous sort of the people that were arguing at WWE, sure. WWE changes, WWE changes. And it was 40 minutes of us explaining why they would never change it, how they don't care about you, how they don't care about feedback from customers and, and how they're always just going to do whatever they do. And then they change it. So it's like, why would we post that? Why would I go through? It wasn't, if it was just Joe and I, if it was just you and I saying, hey, I don't think they're going to change it. And Joe, here's the reasons why I don't think they're going to change it. Or here's why they shouldn't change it. Or here's this. That's a different story than us saying, hey, all you people out there that think they're going to change, you're dumb because they're not going to change. Right. That's why would you want to listen to 40 minutes of somebody lecturing you about something that you, because it wasn't like us talking about our opinions on it. I don't think either of you, I don't think we really even dove that much into our opinions of it. I think we briefly did, but it was more about the outcry. And we were saying, Hey, look, you can, you can waste all your time crying and whining and and bitching and moaning, but they're never going to listen to you. And then they listen to you. So it's like, why would we post that? I mean, it's just the content of it. It was 40 minutes of just worthless, worthless radio. And and I just yeah. never felt comfortable because it was it was that it was us getting like, as you said at the top of the show we were very negative about it of like hey stop complaining stop crying not that you shouldn't complain and cry but they're not going to change anything because they're stubborn right, right, and they right. don't give a shit but then they yeah. weren't stubborn and they gave a shit so it's like you know it wasn't just that we were wrong it was just that like the whole tone of the entire conversation seems so silly in retrospect when they actually did change. Yeah, and to be honest, we put those same exact thoughts on Twitter all week anyway, and people called us out for them, and we both said, yep, we were wrong. So if, if that's what you wanted, if that you wanted your pound of flesh, you got it on Twitter anyway. So, I mean, it's not like – so we ran from nothing, and then we came out and admitted that it was a segment where we were totally off base. So um, I just figured we'd open with that because uh, – I, again, I don't want people accusing us of fucking avoiding it again. So no, I mean, we'll, we'll be wrong a lot of times. We're going to talk about this New Japan Cup here where we were completely off base, completely yeah. missed things, didn't – I mean, that that's what this show a lot of times is. We're not – you know, we're, we're, we, we'll jokingly, you know, brag about how right we are sometimes. But, I mean, we're probably wrong <laughs> 75% of the time. We just don't brag about the times the, we're wrong. The, the victory because, lap – look, the victory because, lap thing is a bit – yeah, it's we don't a bit. actually think we're the smartest people in the world. Like I, I'm, I'm one of the dumbest people in the world. We're often wrong about wrestling. It's, it's a bit when we go, oh, we were right. Hell yeah, backpats. Da, 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 da. That's that's all that is. Yeah, the victory lap is a bit. It's one of the many bits we do on the show. Look, there are times that we both get self righteous on a serious topic that we were right about, or you know something. It, sure, but m- the majority of the time, the victory lap thing is a bit where we are being tongue in cheek, um, you know, uh, cocky, and I think. Uh, most people understand it. There's some people that get worked up by it sometimes, but most people understand it's a bit. It's 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 what they call in wrestling ribbing on the square, right? It's like it's a bit that's rooted in truth is basically what it is. So, um, and yeah, it's like, and uh, and one more thing, and then we'll get off this and move on because I think uh, you know we're gonna lead off the show with Daniel Bryan, obviously. But uh, one more thing is, um, there's a millionaire in radio, someone who's one of the most successful radio people in the world, 
who um, who I admire and I study. Uh, and and I'm not gonna say who it is, but because um, that, that leaves people because ah, he stinks. Now that's not the point. But one of his uh, main philosophies when he does radio is the listener doesn't give a shit if you're right. They really don't. Like when it comes to predictions or things that are going to happen, this is a sports radio host. So he's in the business of making predictions a lot. His philosophy is the listener doesn't care if you're right. The listener cares if you're confident, you're well-reasoned, uh, you, you did your homework, and you're coming from a place of intelligence. That's what the listener cares about. Right. And he's right. You know, if, you're, if your opinions and your predictions and, your, and the things that you say are coming from uh, a, a good a good intellectual place, that's all the listener cares about. They don't care if you're right or wrong. It doesn't matter. So uh, that is something that has always stuck with me uh, when I heard that explained uh, you know, by this person. And, and it, it really is the truth because I think about it for myself as well. And the shows that I choose to listen to, the pundits that I follow, things that, you know, people that I read. Um, and and that, is, that is the truth. It, it's people who come off genuine uh, in their opinions and who come off informed in their opinions, those are the people I gravitate to. And it's, it's very rare that it, – it, it's almost never where you say, well, I'm not going to watch this show or listen to this person or read this person because uh, they're wrong. Uh, they were wrong about this. They got the Super Bowl prediction. Nobody cares. They just want intelligent, well-informed talk. So that's what we try to do. You know, you, you, your mileage may vary on the intelligent part, but you know, that's, that's <laughs> what we try to do here. We're definitely passionate and well-researched, and, 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 and yes. it is what we believe, and we don't bullshit ever on the right. show. And that's that's one thing that I, I'm always proud of, and that's that's always been my um, – you mentioned kind of your radio, and, and the people that I've sort of looked up to in radio and stuff – are hey for better or for worse I'm gonna tell you what I think I'm not gonna sugarcoat it I'm not gonna dis- I'm not gonna play a character on here I'm not just gonna disagree with Joe because I want to disagree with him I'm not just gonna agree with him because I want to I just tell you what it is and then Joe's the same way we just we tell you whatever it is and th- and this was and, and again that Mula segment was one where you and I both came at it with we're not talking to each other before and thinking hey look like you can complain and you can bitch them all but they're never gonna change anything and we were glad to take that L I was glad that WWE said hey look. This is shitty. We should change this, and this is that's kind of the reason why we got rid of it. So, well, it, I mean, can we can we put a little asterisk on that one? I mean, Snickers, Snickers, yes. <laughs> right. Okay, WWE still doesn't give a fuck what you think, but I guess that's a topic for another day. But uh, but yeah, so I guess um, uh, you know, everybody speaking their mind at least worked up a sponsor, and maybe that's if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. But. I'm not going to go that far and say that all of a sudden Stephanie McMahon gives a shit because she no, clearly, no, they, they, I, they, they're obviously it was through gritted teeth. I mean, they, they were not happy. About they don't want to lose sure, that yeah. check from Mars or whoever it is that owns Snickers. So it, you it know, doesn't need Mars. It doesn't need the Mars Corporation. Yeah, so there you go. So there you go. I'm sure they're owned by some other conglomerate now too, but they still call themselves Mars. All right, uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to here. We got Dan O'Brien's return, the New Japan Cup final, strong style evolved, lands his path of greatness, and some wrestling of new uh, wrestling observer newsletter awards. That's easy for me to say, but before. Before we do that, I do want to let everybody know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Podcast is sponsored by our friends at ZipRecruiter. If you are hiring, posting your job to job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it is not going to work. Stop wasting your time and start using ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experiences, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers, 80%, Joe, 
who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through the site in just one day. That's 80% of employers in just one day find a quality candidate. You cannot beat that. And ZipRecruiter does not stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there, and ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, voice wrestling listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. Once again, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, so Dan O'Brien's back. That's uh, <laughs> what were the you know about uh, predictions and, and and thinking about wrong. I I don't know. I, I don't know what we said. You know when he retired a few years ago and what we thought. I think we both thought that he was going to get in the ring at some point again. Like we didn't think that was the end of his in ring career. But I really thought that he would never come back to WWE. I don't know. Do you remember what your mileage was on that? I thought it was dead and, and gone. And that whenever he would get back in the ring, whenever he'd wrestle again, it'd be with Ring of Honor, it'd be with New Japan, it'd be on the Indies, it'd be in pro- it'd be it'd be somewhere with this company. I am stunned that he came back to this company. Joe, what were your thoughts? on it uh when the news came out uh you know last afternoon or, or yesterday afternoon right i am glad you asked rich what i said when he retired because not only do i remember what i said it is forever uh, uh recorded and available for the public if you go to the voices of wrestling youtube page yeah that's right lots of plugs today i'm plugging the youtube page rich there is a voices of wrestling live episode with rob mccarran the airport and Joe Lanza, this guy, the night of Daniel Bryant's retirement, okay, the night he gave the speech on, what was it, Raw or SmackDown? It was Raw, right? Uh, Raw, yeah, correct. He gave the speech on Raw. And Joe Lanza, I don't know if people remember this, but Joe Lanza completely shit on it. He said he didn't buy it for one second, was thoroughly convinced that this man was coming back, and I did all that within two minutes of the show. So go to the Voice of the Wrestling YouTube page. You want to talk about victory laps? I'm going to take one here, okay? Within two minutes of that show, I'm telling everybody that I didn't really buy the retirement at all. And, uh, and that I was thoroughly, in fact, the, the comparison I made, uh, the, the analogy I made, whatever you want to call it, was that uh, if you told me, Joe, here's a million dollars, you can have this million dollars <laughs> in cash and you can have it tax free. Just take it. Here's the catch. If Daniel Bryan ever wrestles a match again, this is a death pill and you must swallow it immediately. I would not take that million dollars. No chance. Was thoroughly convinced the man was going to come back, and he did, in fact, come back. Now, were you, yeah. you convinced he was coming back in general or coming back to WWE? Um, uh, we didn't really get into that on the show, and to be honest, I don't remember. Oh, well, that's like a half of victory lap. <laughs> that's, well, you know, I, I agree. That, yeah, okay, okay. It's okay, a terrible I'll... victory lap because I don't think anyone thought he was never going to wrestle again. But actually, you know what? That's not necessarily true. There's no, still- no, no. I think there were a lot of people that thought that. That thought that that you know his health or whatever, and and we'll we'll get into kind of the nuts and bolts of that. But I always thought that once that contract was done, and once he was kind of free from WWE one way or another, that he would get back in the ring and and, and wrestle. I never thought that it would happen again in this company, but I was convinced that the second he had any opportunity to leave, he he would go and and do it right away. There's still some people angry that he came back, um, which, I mean, that's prog that's their prerogative. I look. All along, and we talked this topic to death over the last two years. Not so much recently, but I guess during the first year, we talked about it a lot. It was very obvious this guy was going to wrestle again at some point. He wasn't going to let the company stop him. He was going to do his time if he had to, and he was going to skip on out of there and go work, you know, Blue Panther in Mexico, go work a G1, uh, go work Bola, or do whatever the hell it, you know, else it, it was that, you know, he, he wanted to, uh, you know, because the guy just wants to wrestle. And they, we knew he was going to do that. The company knew he was going to do that. 
I smell a lot of shenanigans here. I don't know about you. I don't know if that's where you want to start with this. Uh, um, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll start negative and then get happy about it after. Let's get into the negative a little bit first. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that all along, I and you've been stronger on this than me, so I'm going to let you speak on it, but I'll set you up. He, I think he's been a pawn in the game. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, this is a guy, I'm not doubting that he had some some concussion issues. I'm not doubting that he had health issues, but I think he had a high-profile guy here with some legitimate issues and uh, you know the the concussion stuff and the CTE stuff, which you're going to get into, has been a big problem for this company. It's been a big problem for the NFL. It was a big problem for the NHL. It's a big problem in sports. And um, this was their way to say, look what we're doing with one of our top stars. We're not allowing him back in the ring. They have a sham doctor working for them. Who the guy is a complete sham. He's full of shit. Maroon is garbage. Right. We're, we're not going to get into that, but do your own research on on, on Doctor Joseph Maroon. And, and yeah, he's he's Maroon will tell you whatever you want to hear. Right. for enough money whether back. it's pittsburgh steelers the nfl or WWE, he will if you cut the check he will tell you whatever you yeah. want to say whether it's that ct doesn't exist or that ct is over you know in, inflated in terms of its risks whatever you need joseph maroon to say or do he will do and in this case it was not clear daniel bryan he's one step up from dr zaharian he's you know he's he's a sham so whatever the company wanted out of maroon they were going to get um i think what happened here was daniel bryan over the last two years, went to so many of his own specialists and so many of his own doctors, all of which cleared him, by the way, every step of the way. Okay. Um, and then, you know, finally, you know, he went to Maroon, as we now know, and said, what do I have to do to get you to clear me? The one guy on earth who won't clear me. Okay. And uh, Maroon gave him a list of doctors to go to. Of course, all of those people cleared him because there's nothing wrong with this fucking guy. Okay. Everyone's been clearing him. This is so overblown. When you have a, 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 a an army of doctors clearing this guy, I mean, I mean, and, and the sad just part not the is right one, just not the one, the yeah. one person that 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 WWE quote unquote listened to would not clear him. Everybody else in the world would say, exactly. you're, you're free to go, go ahead, do whatever you need to do, whatever. Yeah. And it's again, and and, and the implication I, I think just to is not that every all these doctors were saying, oh, you're 100 healthy. There's no issues. There's no problem. It was essentially, hey, look, you understand the risks, right? Yes. Well, then you know, go ahead. Like if if you're cool with the the inherent risks that come with, with 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 pro wrestling which is what everybody in that locker room has to deal with as well which is everybody yes. in the NFL has to deal with anybody in the NHL has to deal with everybody in college football everybody in youth football everybody in, in all these things it's all about awareness and and hey are you aware that what you were doing could lead to long-term brain damage if you're aware of that and okay with that then i have nothing to stop you right. i can make because- up a bunch of shit about lesions and all that sort of stuff but at the end of the day if you are okay with it there's nothing stopping you from getting in the ring and and, and going other than That's right you know yourself if you want to say hey look thank you for letting me know that there are these issues now i'm aware of it i want to do whatever i can to be healthy in my later years i'm going to stop wrestling that that's for you but there's no there's nothing inherently different about you know like you're, you're going to maybe add to it or whatever but if you're aware of the risks risks and understand that and 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 know hey look i'm doing what i love but it could at the same time be killing me or it could at the same time be deteriorating my brain to the point where I'm 60 and 70, I'm, I'm not what I, but if that's what you love and that's what you're passionate about and that's what it is, then then go ahead. And that's all those doctors were saying. They were yeah, saying, you can't I mean, find anything about your brain that says you're going to die tomorrow or that you're in horrible right. health, but just understand that when you're doing this, you know, you could be causing this. We don't know about CT yet in, in terms of live patients. And that's right. going to be the big, that, that's going to come at time, at some point in our lifetime. But right now they don't know. They only know when these guys die and then they can go in and, and, and dig into the brain and go okay this guy had the brain of a of a you know 80 year old even though he was 35 this guy had this i mean it's every single nfl player every single nhl player, anybody i mean youth football they look at college football they look at and those people have 
deteriorated brain damage. They have CTE. They have those issues, and it's inherent in the game, and it's inherent in wrestling too. One of the big issues was was China. I remember when she uh, when, when she died, and they looked at her brain that said she had CTE, and everybody was going like, "Well, I don't remember her taking chair shots. I don't remember her doing this. I don't remember her doing that." Yeah, idiots. It's not about chair shots. It's not about you know the amount of concussions you have. It's just pro wrestling. Just banging your head against the mat a thousand times a night every night for for years is bad for your brain. And if you're aware of that and you're okay with that, then go ahead. And that's what the those doc- doctors were saying. That's right. They time. cleared. These doctors know what pro wrestling is. They know how dangerous it is, and they cleared him to do pro wrestling. He's just as he's just as fit to do pro wrestling as Dolph Ziggler, who's had a billion concussions, by the way, and anybody else who gets it. Fandango, remember he had had some right. horrible issues for a while as well. You know, and, 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 and the guys that go unreported, which are probably you know every you know, which is every single one of them. And and, right. and me and Rich, you know, we always come off cold and callous here, but all we're saying is they're all at fucking risk. We're not saying that he's not at risk. They're all at risk. And the doctors are basically telling him, look, your next bump isn't going to be your last. You, you, you're fit to do this. We know what it entails. And what's driving me crazy is it has already started. Every time this guy takes a bump on his head or his neck, people go mental on Twitter. Oh, my God, he fell on his head. He was cleared to fall on his head. That's what being cleared means. Okay? He wasn't clear. They wouldn't have cleared him if it was super dangerous for him to fall on his head. It's, just, it, it, it's, it's dangerous for any of these guys to fall on their head. You know, he's not like, he's not fucking, his head is not a fucking eggshell. He's not going to take a bump and then just fucking die. Or he wouldn't have been cleared. I mean, I suppose that could happen to any of any of anybody. It can happen every day. And that's, that's I, I tweeted that out a little earlier. It's like, if you're worried about every bump Daniel Bryan takes, then you need to also be worried about every bump everybody Correct. In ring takes, everybody in any wrestling ring takes, because any bump can be your last bump. But it, it, it's not inherently different in Daniel Bryan than it is in, in, in anybody. I mean, Paraguayo took a bump and died. Like, you know what I mean? It, 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 Masawa did that. And there's deteriorate, there's there's issues well beyond just, just brains and, and, and necks and, and all sorts of stuff that comes into it. But it, it, it's, it's pro wrestling. Every guy's bump could be their last bump. There's nothing inherently different about Daniel Bryan, like you said, than Dolph Ziggler, than a Roman Reigns and that. And again, like I know it does come across across callous and comes across that we don't care about these people's well-being. I think we do care about their well-being, but we understand that they understand the risks and are OK with that. And that's, that's right. always been the thing is like, hey, look, I'm not going to play football. I'm not going to you know, wrestle. If I have children, I'm going to tell them, hey, let's not play football. Let's maybe do it because that's sort of the decision I made. But if you are if, if some guy down the street says, hey, I want my kid to play football because I want a scholarship and and, and that's going to be, you know, he's, he's going to make it to the NFL and he's going to make millions of dollars. And he's going to be if that's what you decide, if you can reconcile, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to take this risk and, and do this for whatever purpose. Whatever it is that motivates you, whether it's money, whether it's for Dan O'Brien, it's his passion or whatever, and, and, and this is something that he loves to do. If if you just know the risks and are okay with it and understand that, hey, look, what I'm doing could lead to you know major health issues down the line for me, but I'm fine with that decision and I know about it, then who am I to say, oh, you can't do that? No, 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 no. It's it's like we know that repeated concussions are bad. Um, so yeah, maybe what we're saying, maybe we should clarify. Yeah, it's it's it'd probably be worse. If Dolph Ziggler or Fandango or Daniel Bryan suffered another, you know, concussion, as opposed to maybe someone who's never had one or has only had one or two, I, I I would think that everyone on the roster has had one. I mean, I'm just being realistic. Um, yeah, but but I mean, it, it, my whole thing is if all of these doctors have cleared him, stop worrying about him more than you're worrying about the other people. It, it just it doesn't make right. sense. To and, me. And, and, the- 
the I'm other thing, gonna... get into it. Uh, sorry, uh, real quick. I'm not going to get yeah. into like the, the whole nuts and bolts of it, but you can do kind of your own research. And I mentioned again uh, on Twitter as well about this of the difference of CT and concussions and whatnot. And yeah, obviously having multiple concussions is not great. It's not great for your yeah. brain to do that. But one of the huge issues, and that's what we're sort of learning more and more about as, as research is being done. And, and Chris Nowinski is one of the head guys of this former WWE wrestler. Chris Nowinski is one of the head guys of this is not necessarily that the concussions and the big hits and the guy getting passed out and the guy falling on his ass. And like, you know, th- th- those are bad. And those are obviously not good for you when you're, you know, your brain rattles against your skull and renders you, you know, completely incapacitated. But what's also bad is repeated hits to the same part of your brain over time and over time and again and again and again and again. And that's when they're finding out in NFL players is that like linemen are at more of a risk than like your big wide receiver that takes a huge hit or whatever. Yeah, it's huge and he gets his big concussion. Everybody makes a big deal about it. But your linemen that are just crashing into each other's foreheads a thousand times a game, every single game. That ends up being sometimes even worse than the big time concussion. Right. So, and and in wrestling, I mean, let's be honest, flat back bumps, not great. Yep. You know, slapping your head against the mat is not great. So, like, yeah, having a bunch of big time concussions and, and and big time things is 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 not good. We're not saying that that's that's nothing, but you're run of the mill guy that's not had a concussion ever, but is taking a hundred flat back bumps every single night for three hundred sixty four days a year, or whatever. That's just as bad, and if not worse. So that's where like everybody freaks out about concussions and freaks out about Brian and oh, his next bump or whatever. Well, a lot of these guys are not doing good. I mean, look at the history of pro wrestling. A lot of the guys that died earlier had CT and all that sort of stuff weren't the guys, aren't your hardcore guys, aren't your guys hitting each other with chairs, aren't the guys that had big concussions, but your guys that just worked a fucking shit ton of matches and and on hard mats a lot of times too. I mean, it, it, it's just what it is. It's inherent in pro wrestling that your brain is probably going to get damaged. That's one right. Way or another. And it- and if he was in imminent danger, he wouldn't have been cleared. Right. The doctors would have said, hey, look, no, because your skull is going to fracture the next time you take her or your brain is like or your, clearly or your showing brain issues. Is in such poor condition. Yeah, right. Yes, that he wouldn't have been cleared. And and now that he is cleared, I, I hate this attitude of, oh, my God, I can't believe he's doing this. I can't. If you're cleared to do this activity, then you are cleared to do the fucking activity and everything it entails. There's no reason he shouldn't go as hard as everybody else goes. Well, I like that. Like every bump now that he takes is like a Zapruder film. Like, I don't know if you saw this, but people were like, oh my God, look how Sammy like protected him by moving his head back slightly. It's like, of yeah, course, I, he'd probably do that anyway for everybody. You don't want to get kicked in the face. No, Rich, I can't take it. It's, it's so aggravating. Like, like I, people I, are like, oh, look how Sammy Zane is going above and beyond to like protect Daniel Bryan. No, he, you yeah. protect everybody you're in the ring with. You don't want anybody to get kicked in the face. If that, I, I, if, if that was really Rusev, he would probably pull his head back too because. Rusev doesn't want to get hit in the fucking face either. <laughs> like it's not yeah. like everybody is going, "Oh my god, the kid, oh my god, we had to do this for Daniel." It's like, "No, you don't want to get hit in the face. That's it's fucking for wrestling. It's not supposed to be actually violent." So no, they go out of their way to prevent actual violence because it, it, it's for wrestling, Joe. <laughs> I am so it's we're, like his... we're we're back into the left with every spot. Okay, look look every at spot. oh, oh that. Oh, I don't know. I, oh, guys, just chill. Like it's fine. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's still, there's still frames on Twitter of him like landing, <laughs> kind of on his head on the on Back one of the kicks in the left. corner, and it's like, wh- what are we doing? Why? Why are we? Do- his matches are going to be so. I, I, I'm going to have to log off during his match because I can't deal with it. <laughs> I can't deal with hyper analyzing every bump he takes, and I can't believe he's going so hard. What did you think he was going to do? Get in there and fucking grapple fuck like a 68-year-old aging luchador doing an exhibition grapple match? What did you think he was going to do? He's cleared to go. He's going to go. You know, what I don't understand. Did you think he was going to wear headgear? Yeah, and I, th- I think one of the things that you mentioned as well about the clearing, and, and everybody's sort of thinking that it was just a few weeks ago that he got cleared to go and whatnot. It's been two years of him getting the, the thumbs up from doctors all across the world. It wasn't until one man 
you know, Maroon, who we talked about, said, all right, yeah, whatever. And we don't know the implication of what the background of that was or whatever. But all we knew is that Maroon finally gave the thumbs up, and that's how Daniel Bryan came back. I wanted to get into the – I wanted to get into the – I'll tell you what the background was. The background was this guy's contract is coming up, and he was about to walk the fuck out of there. He was going to moonwalk out of there and go work for other companies, including an all-in show, uh, including New Japan, including all – and and, and – Somebody got Maroon. Listen, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, but right. I know how and, the and fucking we don't know world for works. This is, this is just our kind of conspiracy issue. I know how the fucking that. world works. This company didn't want him walking out and wrestling somewhere else. They said if this guy's going to – they knew that he's been cleared by everyone on earth. They knew he was going to do it because there's no reason for him not to do it because he's fine. Okay? And they figured, you know what? We don't want him doing it anywhere else. So Maroon, clear this guy. So Maroon sent him to his gimmick doctors and said, ah, see if these guys clear you. You know, just so they had some kind of evidence to support this. So he went to the gimmick doctors. They cleared him because everybody cleared him. And then Maroon cleared the guy. Oh, right when it, right as his contract's coming up. Isn't that not suspicious at all? Give me a fucking break. They jerked this guy around for two years. Okay. And they didn't want him making money for somebody else. That is the bottom line here. And he'll probably stick around now. He's got total divas. He's got a bunch of guys on the roster he wants to wrestle. Uh, he probably... Uh, you know, his wife would probably prefer that he stay with the company and all those sorts of things. I hope he still leaves because I think the company fucked around with him for two years. They jerked him around. They made him unhappy. He was clearly unhappy in a non-wrestling capacity. He could have been wrestling this whole time. And I hope he sees through this. And I do hope that he walks. I want him to walk. I want him to be happy. I want him to be ha- uh, uh, to be fulfilled. If he gets that in WWE, great. Uh, and on a personal entertainment level, I'd rather see him outside of the company because uh, we got all these people sending us their Daniel Bryan dream matches. Are you out of your fucking minds? You're going to get Shane O'Mac matches. You're going to get like the fucking tag match that you're getting at WrestleMania. Kane. You're going to get uh, a few <laughs> with Shane McMahon. You usually want to do a with Kane. <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to get shit with fucking Braun. You're probably going to get something with Lars Sullivan. You, you think you're getting all these fucking dream? You think he's going to have a 20-match series with Johnny Gargano and then move on to Cian Almas and then move on to fucking Roderick Strong? You, you think he's going to go to 205 Live and wrestle TJ Perkins? No! He's he, he's gonna be wrapped up in the same fucking McMahon bullshit that everybody else. That newsflash: What was he doing before he got hurt? He was feuding with the Authority for a fucking year. You think these people think they're getting all these dream matches? Are you out of your mind? What company do you think you're watching? Hey, hey, come on now, you know it'd be good. Listen, it's a loaded roster. If I knew I was gonna get all those great, tremendous dream matches. I'd want him to stay too, but I'm smarter than that, Rich. You'll get one or two. You'll get one here or there, but you're going to get bullshit booking like they do to everybody. How many dream matches are you getting with Sami Zayn these days? How many dream matches are you getting with Kevin Owens these days? Wake up. Remember what you're watching. You think they're going to send this guy on a dream match tour? You think this is 2006 Ring of Honor? What's wrong with you people? Do you not watch this company every week? Did you not watch Daniel Bryan before he got injured? That's what you're going to get. They're not going to send him on a dream match tour. So no, I selfishly, I prefer him to leave. And here's another argument I'm sick of. I'm sick of, oh, well, he's a family man now. It would be stupid. To, can we stop, please? Okay, I would be stunned if this man is not already a millionaire. He was a main eventer in WWE. 
You're freaking the kids out, Joe. You're freaking the that. kids out. You got to chill out a little bit. The kids are getting, uh, okay. getting whipped up. His there. wife works in the company and has been there for years. These people are millionaires. Okay? You think they're, you think they're cutting coupons before they go to Whole Foods? Okay? They've got money. Yeah, everybody subscribes to the Rip Rogers thing that if you're not in the big leagues, you're not at New York, that you're like, yeah, you're, you're you know, scrapping together He's pennies or whatever. Really? Like. He's got to think about his people are sending me shit like this. He's got a kid. He has to send to college. He can write that fucking check and not even miss the money. Are you kidding me? Like they don't have that money put aside. Okay. Plus the guy doesn't spend any money. He drives like an 82 Datsun. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> eats out of his garden. Fucking... Yeah, he eats out of his garden and drinks vegan protein. I think he'll be all right. Like he I think grows his fine. own food. He drives an 82 Datsun and he lives in an Adobe. And you're worried, and he's a millionaire, and you're worried about this guy's money? Owns like five pairs of, of clothes, and they're all plaid button ups, but. They're simple people, and they're filthy rich. And, you're, and you think, you think, a, you think, it, what, what do you think he needs to do? Go down to the mill and get a good union job? He's loaded. Don't worry about Daniel Bryan's money. He's okay. And here's also, another thing. By the way, he can get paid at other places. <laughs> yeah, here's the other thing. You think you think you think he's gonna be working, he's gonna be scrapping to make 50 bucks at the VFW hall down the street if he leaves. He's gonna get a six-figure deal in New Japan. He's gonna get thousands of dollars per booking on the indie scene. You people act like he's gonna be panhandling. He'd do great outside the company. He's got new New Japan, he's got a six-figure deal on the fucking table with his name on it waiting for him in New Japan. This is idea that Daniel Bryan is going to starve and his kid can't go to college if he doesn't stay in WWE is preposterous. Kid can't go to college. I mean, that rich people are telling that. You see it? I know. Oh, he's got God. a family to worry about. Yeah, and he's fucking rich. What do you, yeah, give me a break. And he, would, and he would be rich if he left. He'd make more. He'd make more money than ninety nine point nine percent of the dopes listening to this thing outside of the company without taking a single booking outside of New Japan. He could work the David Finley schedule and make more money than ninety percent of wrestlers if he left. Oh, what is wrong with people? Are you kidding me? If that's your argument, if your argument is he needs to stay there because he needs to fucking put food on the table, you're lost. And here's the other thing. He doesn't care about money. Maybe his perspective has changed a little with the kid, but he's not, believe me, this is not a guy who gives, a, 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 who cares a lot about money. We yeah, all know this. He's definitely this. not motivated. Yeah, he's definitely not motivated by money all that much. So. No. He's motivated by art and all those sorts of things. And look, maybe he'll stick around. He probably, look, I'm saying he'll probably, I want him to leave. And and I'm not yeah, going to be worried about ability purposes because it's it's a pain in the ass. And you can talk to a guy like a Chris Hero. Chris Hero is a guy who traded in the. I'm sure he was making. He probably was making more money on the independence than he is now at NXT. But do I want to get on a plane? Do I want to go to Europe? Do I want to you know minutes? Because I used to. There was one time where I went to an AEW show and I knew that he was going to progress like that next. And I asked him, I was like, "Hey, shit, man, you got to go to progress." He's like, "Yeah, I got a flight at like you know 10:30." And I'm like, "Dude, you're going to go to the show, drive to the airport, fly, and 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 like." I was like, well, do you, uh, do you sleep on planes? Like, ah, not really. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. But it's like, if you're willing to do that grind, you're going to make money. Cody Rhodes is looking at that. Cody Rhodes can tell you about that. The Bucks can tell you about that. Those sort of guys can tell you about how, you know, that that grind is is great and you can make money doing it, but you got to be willing to do that grind. And, and Chris Hero was a guy who, who did the grind for a while and then realized, hey, look, you know what? 
at this point in my life, I'd kind of like the stability. My back kind of hurts. You know, it'd be nice not to spend half my life on an airplane, you know, bouncing back and forth or whatever. But it wasn't because he was just getting this amazing deal to live in, you know, fucking Winter Park, Florida, where the hell he went to. It, it, it's it's stability. And WWE is always going to, pre- pre- you know, present that sort of stability to you. But, yeah, I mean, there's 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 opportunities out there for guys to make money in wrestling. It, it's, if, you're, you know. if, you're, if, you're, if you're Daniel Bryan, you're, you're going to have – Probably do okay. You're going to have, yeah. st- <laughs> have stability outside WWE, trust me. Okay, you're not like I said. You're not going to be. You're not going to be sending tapes to promoters if you're Daniel Bryan. Okay, can we take it easy with that? He's going to be able to call his own shots, work for whatever the fuck he wants to work. Yeah, he's going to get a lot of blank checks that say, "Hey, write in whatever it is and, and show up on this date." So, like, which is Ray Mysterio Jr. doesn't get out of bed for less than five thousand dollars. Okay, it's like, what are you people thinking? Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan wouldn't have to make another dollar in his life and he'd be fine. I mean, come on. So I, I don't give me that argument. I mean, come. I just I, I I can't even acknowledge you if you give me that. I I I engaged the first few people, and I was like, you know what, Joe, you don't have to engage everyone. They are just clueless. They don't know what. When one thing I've learned over the years on Twitter is, you really don't have to engage everyone. Sometimes people are just clueless, and you have to let it go. Just let them live in their bizarre world where they have no clue what they're talking about, and just let it be. And it's a much more peaceful existence that way. So if you're going to come at me with Daniel Bryan needs to be a family man and, and you know, put on his fucking, grab his lunch pail and put on his fucking, you know, hard hat and go down to his union job so he can feed. I, I can't even engage you anymore. I can't do it. So anyway, um, whew, so what about the actual return itself? You wanna, <laughs> right, uh, right, right, right. Uh, the positives. I mean, Dan O'Brien's back, and Dan O'Brien is a fucking great pro wrestler, and I'm excited to see it. And we saw already on Friday an awesome segment with with, with Sammy and, and and Kevin, who and you know it was the way they built it was awesome too. Like in, in all the the Kevin and Sammy beatdowns, you know, obviously they beat down Shane McMahon, they beat down a few other guys or whatnot. And obviously there, there's the trope of like the stretcher or whatnot. We'll we'll get to that here in a second, and that whole kind of eye roll of oh here we go in the stretcher thing. But before that, I thought it was really cool because it was, you know, Sammy and Kevin felt very conflicted about doing what they did. Like, in, in most cases, beating up Shane McMahon was fine. They kind of were like, ah, fuck Shane McMahon. We don't really give a shit. But in the Brian, they really, you could tell that they were, like, upset that they had to do it, but they felt they had to do it. And, and type of thing. Like, Kevin Owens, a lot of the times, he would, he would you know, beat down Daniel Bryan. I think there was one point where, as they're shushing him out, he, like, hits the canvas and just kind of is like, god damn it. Like, damn it. Like, it, it's just, it, it pained them to have to do what they did. But they did it, and it was a fucking balls to the wall. Brian working his ass off. Zayn looked great. Owens looked great, and it was like, ah, there's some energy there, and that's what that's Daniel Bryan brings to the table more than anything. I mean, fans are are always invested in him and everything that he does, and he's just a great fucking pro wrestler. That even a segment like that where you know, he's not in the ring doing you know technical Daniel Bryan stuff, but he's in there just flying around doing the kicks, getting the crowd excited, and getting beaten down or whatever. And he's so good at that. And he's so good at drawing sympathy. So yeah, it was already like I mean, we've only seen you know ten minutes of it, but it was like aha, it's it's so refreshing to see him finally. Be Back in the ring again because the guy's one of the greatest wrestlers ever, and and any opportunity to see him ply his craft is 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 amazing, and I'm always going to welcome it. Yeah, he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. It's great to see him back, and I know he's going to do a lot of garbage in WWE, but in between the garbage, there's going to be a lot of great stuff too. Just like on his previous runs where we got a lot of great stuff. This guy drug Bray Wyatt to a, a match of the year contender. I mean, just think about that. The Royal Rumble a couple years ago. Um, he's awesome. And he did show those flashes. It looked like he didn't miss a beat in, in, you know, that attack on those two guys and then, uh, you know, selling their beat down and whatnot. Now the segment itself, I think that, um, 
People are going overboard, calling it a green angle. I think it was a very typical look. If it wasn't Daniel Bryan, nobody would be calling it a green angle. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, number one, it's the same tropey bullshit they always do. You're fired. Nobody buys that those two guys are fired. It's overdone. It's stupid. It, 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 it's insulting to our intelligence. It's another firing angle. On top of doing another firing angle from an authority figure, okay, they did another stretcher job. What is this company's obsession with putting people on stretchers? Didn't they just have Roman Reigns on a stretcher a night earlier? Can we fucking pump the brakes on putting guys on stretchers? (laughs) I mean, uh, so, I mean, between the authority figure firing people and then, you know, doing a stretcher job after a beatdown, I wasn't, the only good thing about this angle was the fact that Daniel Bryan was taking bumps. And I think we were all clouded by that because it wasn't a great angle. I I think all three men did what they, I mean, when you sort of strip away that like in a vacuum, if you didn't know that a a day prior they did the trope and and that it is kind of tropey, I think like I enjoyed it from the standpoint of like all those three dudes I thought did a great job of conveying whatever it was that they were supposed to convey. Does does that make sense? Is that like. I, I hate all what they did, but I thought all three dudes all did exactly what they were supposed to do to the fucking best that they could possibly do it. Agree. Okay. Okay. That, that's all I'm saying. I don't like the stretcher thing, of course. I mean, that, that's the tropiest of all tropes. I mean, it, it, they were short of throwing him through the barricade for me to just kind of fucking, you know, yeah. add the bingo card would have been almost complete if, if, if you know, if they broke through the, 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 the barriers or whatever, the barriers, the ring barriers. And it's built into a tag, a shitty tag team match where he teams with Shane McMahon. I mean, I say shitty, it'll probably be really good because a lot of the people in it are really good and Shane always puts in a lot of effort. But nobody is not sick of this fucking Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens stuff. And that's the problem here. And I think even if the match does deliver, we'd rather see three of these guys doing something else and we would just rather all move on from it. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. All three guys were tremendous in the angle. I just was like, eh, yeah, I'm excited too to see Daniel Bryan and these guys are great, but this is the this is the shit they came up with. It's the same old shit that drags down everything in this company. So, uh, from that perspective, I do have to shit on it a little bit. Um, as far as the speech, um, I'm going to let you go first. So the Daniel Bryan kind of return speech. The return speech. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it because I thought there was a little bit of the real passion in there. I think there was, and you could sort of, and, and I don't know if again, like this is sort of me maybe. It, prescribing my you know thoughts on it and sort of thinking because because i again I, I'm, I'm with you that i thought he was a pawn in, in in this game of you know public face of WWE proving that they're gonna you know save the wrestlers and one of the oh look we, we took one of our most popular wrestlers and we put him on the shelf because he just wasn't healthy enough and that's how much we care and oh by the way you know numerous wrestlers that are suing us for cte like here's an example of us you know going out of our way so that that's sort of my conspiracy theory and where i'm at with it and i think like you said i kind of know how the world works and maybe i'm pessimistic at that point but uh knowing that every doctor in the world cleared him and one guy WWE's doctor wouldn't and they always kind of used him as as, as a so what so knowing that you could sort of tell there was points where he was like oh I want to thank WWE I want to thank Joseph Maroon I want to you know where he said that and, and but then there was also points where especially when he's talking about Brie and, and, and mentioning how she said you know fight for your dreams and if that's your dream you know fight I could sense a little bit and again like this could be me to sort of you know putting my own thought on it but I get this a little bit more realism in those parts of the speech there was the the canned like you know thank you for the health and they you know sent me the best doctors and all that sort of shit but then there was more of that the, the, the thing that i really attached to and really got me was the you know fight for your dreams part of of, of you know fight this don't accept you know for an answer fight 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 to me the, the, him saying that too was also a little bit more of like 
he's fighting against them. And that's what, I mean, obviously they're not going to imply that they're going to say I was fighting to get cleared, but it was essentially fighting against this company and saying, Hey, look, no, you can't just use my medical records as a way to prevent me from, you know, working and, and I'm going to fight this. And he did and, and, and successfully fought it for whatever it was worth for two years. He, he worked his ass off, went to everything in the world, did whatever he could to get cleared and, 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 and do it. So he fought for his dreams in that sense. So I enjoyed that part of the promo, but there was a little bit more of the canned, you know, oh, thank you for this. And thank you for WWE and being grateful and all that sort of stuff. But I thought there was a bit of realism in there to, to me, at least in terms of the, you know, him and, and, and his conversation with Bree and, and talking about fighting for his dreams and, and fighting to get to this point where he could get cleared. You nailed some of the points I was going to make. I love the stuff where he talked about his wife because he was on the verge of breaking down and he loves that woman. Yeah. And you felt it. And um, it's it's every time he brought up his wife, every time he brought up things that his wife said to him, he nearly broke down. And that that was touching. And I like seeing that. That's a man who loves his woman. And it's real and you can see it. Um, so that was touching. Uh, the rest of it, look, it was it was it was a good speech. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, a lot of people were in tears and things like that. I'm not going to go that far. You know, that, that wasn't going to, I didn't, it didn't hit me on that kind of level. Um, you know, it wasn't Lou Gehrig today. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Let's pump the brakes. Okay. It wasn't, you know, but it, it was a good speech. Um, you know, I, I don't want to come out here and bury this guy's, you know, return speech, which, which had a lot of people excited and emotional. Um, but I, the, the parts that, that, that really touched me were when he talked about his wife. And, mm-hmm. and he could have, um, you know, he was, he was classy in the sense that, uh, and you touched on it a bit, he could have really buried Maroon. He could have really buried the company in, in not a direct way, but in indirect ways. And I don't, and that's kind of what I was listening for. You know, it's like, you know, I, I get it. A lot of people just wanted to get lost in the moment. I, you know, and that, that's great. And, and, but I was listening for, okay, I want to read between the lines in this speech and see if he's bitter and see who he's mad at. But there was none of that. He was very classy and he was just, he was Daniel Bryan. He's a goofball. We all know that. Um, and, 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 and this was, was pretty genuine, you know, and I, and it, it, I really did. And, and he must've, you know, went back and, you know, it, it's not like, you know, he brought up, mentioned Bree. He kept going back to Bree, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that well, and, th- and that was Brian Danielson coming out in, in that part. And that, yeah. that's why I really, that attached to me. Like the other stuff I kind of tuned out, but every time he brought up Bree and then would be held back to tears or whatever, that was Brian Danielson, the human being coming out and saying, Hey, look, you know, this, this woman stuck through me. You know, this isn't, this isn't Daniel Bryan, the wrestling character. This isn't Daniel Bryan, WWE superstar. That's Brian Danielson, the person that's at home sitting there, you know, watching other people do what he loves to do and him not being able to do it because Joseph Maroon said he couldn't do it. And that that's yeah. that's what hit me. That's and 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 knowing that, and he talked about it too. And I think Bree even touched on it as well. You know, a few years ago, where where Brian was like super depressed. And I get it. Like if if, if something you did, if you love something, and it was taken away from you and, and snatched away, and they said you could not do it, and you can't do it, and and no matter how hard you try, we're never going to let you do it. You'd be fucking depressed. And this guy, and that's what all he's done. One guy is telling. It's right. one guy telling you you can't do it. That's got to be even more frustrating when everyone else is telling you you can. And there's one person standing in your way. You know, that's, that's, you know, gotta, you're absolutely right. It's, it's gotta be very depressing, you know, and um, it, it's, it's, and, and th- that all sort of bubbled to the surface there. I thought it was a good speech. I thought the retirement speech um, uh, was a great speech and I thought this was a good speech. All right. Anything else on uh, Dan O'Brien? 
they think we need to uh i mean obviously he's he's going to mania and he's going to tam- team with daniel or with shane mcmahon against yeah. Owen Zane. i mean there's and no question would, about that and that's and happening I, so and i would assume feud with shane mcmahon at some point i mean i really hope he doesn't but uh, you know, I, that's, that's been bubbling for a while that, that, that the tension between those two. And yeah, I, I agree that that'll and, probably be his program outside of after this, whether they win or lose or whatever. The, the next step is Brian versus versus Shane. Yeah. You're all waiting for, you know, a Cassius Ono fucking house show, fucking seven the match best series. Of seven series of Gargano. Yeah, and, and you're going like, to get Shane McMahon, you know, <laughs> you know you're going to get Shane McMahon, but I mean, you know, and, 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 and look, they kind of knew, and this is why I kind of smell a rat too. I mean, why else would they have been setting all that up? And I, I just, I just feel like this is all dirty. I feel like this is all um, not that they don't care about the guy or, but you know, I do think he was a bit of a pawn and, and that's the shame of it all. And, you know, maybe we lost a year or a year and a half of, of his career that we could have had and that he could have had because he was a pawn in a corporate game. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I hope that's not the case, but I, I really believe that it is. What do you th- do? You give any credence to this? And this is—I've seen this kind of flow around a little bit—that that all this was done is to put more heat on Owens and Zayn, and then they're going to say, "Oh, we didn't clear him anymore, and now he's uncleared or whatever." And oh my God, Owens and Zayn okay, attacked let's him. Play a game. Like, just, just think about that. And, and again, I'm not saying I think that's happening, but I, I've seen that being popped up and, and populated from a few different. I, I had a game prepared that I was going to skip because we already did an hour on it. But let's let's. This is part of the game I, that I prepared for you, Rich. Um, the Daniel Bryan conspiracy theory game and how much credence you give to the following conspiracy. Okay, theories. let's go. All right. So what, what are we judging credence on? Is there a 10? Is it what's the scale here? <clears throat> yes. So no. you just named the first comp- conspiracy theory that this is all set up to get more heat on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, do you give that any credence whatsoever? Or do you think it's total bullshit? I think it's total bullshit. Yeah. I would have to agree with you. I've gone real that. hard into it. If it is, then that's really people would be very upset with yeah, that. Yeah, that's a was... lot of fucking balls for that company. And I, and, and, and he took a bunch of bumps. I mean, what more do you want? Right, exactly. Um, conspiracy. Then the conspiracy theory number two. Daniel Bryan was conveniently, because he had injuries and they had a good excuse, was conveniently sent away for two years, so that he wouldn't steal the shine from Roman Reigns as they <laughs> attempted to get him over. No. As the do you give that conspiracy I give, theory? I give that no credence. Any credence whatsoever. No, I, I give that none either. That's total bullshit too. I give that one more credence than the last <laughs> one. Because I wouldn't put that past them. Um <coughs> excuse me. Ah, getting over this strip through Atlanta, yeah. But yeah, no, that's that was a horrible noise. <laughs> Whatever noise you just made was the most disgusting thing I have ever heard in my life. Okay. Are you back, sir? Joe was still coughing. Apparently dead. So hold on. We'll wait a minute while he's still coughing. He made a hideous noise there. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he's back. And he's uh, Rich. All right. The conspiracy theory game is over. <laughs> that I'm going to go back on mute. Because I can't talk. Okay. Okay. All right, so I am going on. I'm going back on mute. Okay, I'm getting some water. Got it. You're setting up the next segment. Got it. All right, all right, right, cool. There we go. So that was the end of the thrilling uh, Daniel Bryan conspiracy uh, theory game. But uh, no, I think overall, and and Joe kind of alluded to a little bit. And and again, my conspiracy theory of if it is, and and again, I have no real proof of this. 
but the idea that that and people are maybe wondering, well, why would they clear him or why would they not clear him or why would they let him wrestle? Why would they let one of the big stars go? I think that's one of the big things is is and again, my conspiracy theory. Again, I'm not saying I have any proof of this, but how good does it look for for future litigation to say, hey, look, you know, one of our top stars had issues and we put him on the shelf because we wanted to prove that we care about people's health and and all sort of stuff. And 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 the reason I think of that is because the only doctor that wouldn't clear him is WWE's house doctor, Joseph Maroon, or whatever. Anybody else in the world would clear him and just be fine with it. So that's sort of where I my conspiracy theory is. Again, like I have no proof of that. I have nothing, but I just kind of when I put the pieces together, that's kind of where I'm at with that. But that is the end of our great game, the Daniel Bryan conspiracy theory. I'm sure we'll play it again sometime soon. So Joe, I hear you rumbling back there. Are you back? That was the uh I'm okay. That was the worst bit we've ever done ever because I almost died in the middle. Of- <laughs> it only went two questions. I was very <laughs> yeah. I was but, settled in for like ten questions, and there was two, but that's all right. Yeah, let's uh, let's just get off of that. We'll bring it back anyway. So, all right, so that's Sam O'Brien. Uh, let's move on to the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling because they got some good stuff going on uh, this weekend. Of course, the Strong Style evolved. We're going to preview that, or as much as we can preview that for right now, and talk a little bit about that. But before we do that, though, we need to talk about the New Japan Cup Finals, which happened. Joe, we're recording this on the twenty first. They happened this morning. Um, and in a bit of a shock, I would say to a lot of people, Zack Saber fucking Jr. taps out Hiroshi Tanahashi to win the New Japan Cup. And and Joe, this is kind of um, if we're gonna break down the match and and, and Zack Saber Jr.'s uh, tournament so far, a uh, few things about this. Uh, you know, a little bit of background, Zack Saber Jr. for for just to kind of give context to this win. Uh, he made his debut at the 45th anniversary show, so a little over a year ago, he made his debut. Um, of course, joined Suzuki Gun immediately. Wasn't really like full time right off the bat, but you know, doing a lot of shots of them here and there. Uh, now we're at this point where he wins the New Japan Cup. He's going to main event Sakura Genesis against Kazuchika Okada. He's you know ran through you know Naito, Sonata, Tanahashi. You know tapped out Abushi or, or you know made Abushi get it like a ref stoppage. Tapped out Naito, Sonata, and Tanahashi. I mean, just a crazy run that he's been on recently. And, and just a little bit of context for the the match against Okada. It's pretty historic as well because Zach will be the uh, and I forgot who tweeted this out. I feel bad that I, I think it was Chris Charlton, but I don't want to uh, discredit anybody else who did it. But I believe it was Chris Charlton, so we'll just give Chris Charlton credit because he deserves it. He works hard uh zach will be the first british-born challenger to the iwgp title since steven regal in april 1995 it was at new japan's battle rush 95 tag 3 grand cross 2 shinya hashimoto versus steven regal have you ever seen that match joe i don't believe i have no okay are you gonna go and see it now because of the context of this match i mean you know what if it's on tape we might as well go watch i I don't you know i'm not the biggest fan of either the guys i I think they're very good of course i don't think they either suck or whatever but some people like have god level you know obsessions with those two and i don't know if i'm quite there but that sounds like a pretty fucking cool matchup so uh the show itself looked actually kind of fun as well so i i do want to go out of my way and see uh new japan battle rush 1995 night three grand cross two but uh yeah he's also the first british wrestler of course to ever win the new japan cup uh, he's the first Gaijin to win the cup in uh, 12 years. So it's been quite a while since uh, anybody uh, non-Japanese won the title or, or won the title of the, you know, or won the New Japan Cup. But uh, Joe, what do you make of this? Zack Sabre Jr. In a, in a week, he taps out Naito. He makes Kotobushi, you know, Kotobushi won't tap out, but the ref has to stop because he's kicking so much fucking ass. He taps out Sonata and then he taps out Hiroshi Tanahashi and he fucking wins the New Japan Cup and he challenges Okada. What a week. What a, what a what a four matches and they made a fucking star in Zack Sabre Jr. How awesome has this been? And this is how this is where the booking in this company shines. You know, um, we it's like we are very critical of a lot of the booking decisions this company makes um, in terms of the three way tag matches all the time. 
guys losing up, which has been a trend recently that we are not fond of. Um, lots of undercard stuff that we're, that we're critical of. But where the rubber meets the road is making stars and building matches that sell out shows. And there's no company that does that better than this one. Um, over the last half decade or so. And this is another perfect example of just flipping the switch on somebody. We talk about it all the time over the years. They can flip a switch on someone at any given point in time, and they've proven that they can do it, which is why you give this company the benefit of the doubt when it comes time to make stars because they've proven over and over again that they can do it very easily and in ways that you should have saw coming but didn't. As soon as Taka Mishinoku was aligned with Zack Sabre Jr. and started acting as his manager and cutting his promos for him, we all should have saw this coming. But it's what I always like to refer to as light bulb booking, uh, which Guido and Jado partake in, where it's not obvious until they do it, and then you feel stupid for not seeing it coming. And we've seen it many times over the years, and this is another great example. Um, nobody picked this guy to win the tournament. I'm sure we're going to have Twitter followers come out of the woodwork and dig up all And that's great. If you, if you predicted it, awesome. Because I didn't see a ton of people picking him to win it. Um, but what they did here was brilliant because, you know, how, what's the easiest way to make a star in pro wrestling? Is it feuding with the authority figure? Is it uh, rushing through heel and face turns? Is it, it's none of those things. It's just beating the stars, Right. And this guy beat three megastars and a fourth guy who just challenged for the IWGP heavyweight title beat four people at that level in pretty much what amounted to a week. And he tapped all four of them out and beat all of them clean in the middle and beat some of them by ref stoppage. It was impressive in doing so. And now you've got yourself another star. And it really is that simple. You know, it's, I think these bookers outthink themselves. Look at the Roman Reigns push and all the missteps and all the bullshit and all the garbage. When this is all you have to do, you can get it done in a week. Okay. He beat Tetsuya Naito, Kota Ibushi, Hiroshi Tanahashi in a span of a week. And he tapped them out and he beat them by ref stoppage and throw Sonata in there too. And he looked great in doing it. He's got this cocky manager cutting promos in three different languages to get him over with all audiences, you know? And Taka's a charismatic guy, and he adds a ton to that act. And it really was that simple. This is great booking. It's not good. It's great. And it's smart. And it's so smart and so brilliant that none of us saw it coming. It hid in plain sight. And it just happened, and, 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 and you're just like, how did I not see this? We're conditioned to not think the simple is the best route. And that, that's sort of like what pro wrestling has done to us in, in the years is that like we, we, we don't look at the obvious things. We don't look at what the – okay, they're trying to push a guy. Okay, well, how are they going to do it, and what hoops are they going to jump through? And it's like, you don't have to jump through any hoops. He just beats people and wins. It's like, there you go. It, it, yeah. But we, we're so conditioned to think, okay, well, what's the next step or what's next? or what? It's, it's not that hard. No, he fucking beats people, and he looks convincing doing it. The end. He's ready to go. You pick the right guy. That's step one, which isn't always easy. No, no. That, a lot of guys have, have, have done the right things, but pick the wrong guy. And that's that causes issues as well. And then when you have the right guy, he just beats people. And he beats the key people. 
And you can't be afraid to have him beat the key people. Rich, let me ask you a question. Hiroshi Tanahashi lose anything by losing that match uh, earlier this morning? God, no. Um, did Kota Ibushi lose any luster by falling to Zack Sabre Jr. in the uh, quarterfinals or whatever? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, because they did it in a good way. They did the ref stoppage, I think, which was a nice touch to it. If he taps out, maybe you can make a case a little bit, but it was the ref stoppage. It wasn't – he was never going to give up, but the ref had to just do it for him because he's, he, he was too bullheaded to give up. So, no, I, I, I think, again, like another masterful job of, of that. Like, I always wonder, okay, well, that's weird why they do the ref stoppage for that one, but now it makes all the sense in the world. Like, he is the one guy you're – Semi trying to protect right now with with Dakota Bushi, so no, he doesn't tap out, but is given no choice. But he has to give up because the referee is just says, "Okay, no, 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 you're not yeah. getting out of this. You can sit in this hold all day, but you're done, man. You're you're gonna kill yourself. We're not, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna call it for you." So it was masterful again. Yeah, he lost nothing, and 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 the other thing is, uh, if you if you watch the promos, he was even wary about facing Zack Sabre Jr. He said, "This guy has my number, and mm-hmm. I I I would have rather have faced Naito." He said that. We talked about it last week. Pay attention to the backstage. They're getting more and more important. Uh, The company knows that they're putting them out there for the English audience now. Pay attention. You're going to lose a lot of subtlety if you're not paying attention to these things. Okay. Is Tetsuya Naito any less of a star for losing to Zack Sabre Jr.? Are LIJ shirts no longer selling because that happened, Rich? I don't think so. We'll see, but I I would would venture to guess no. (laughs) So... You have, and Sonata obviously is a different case. You can beat him. That doesn't matter. But the, the point here is, it's like you can't be afraid when you have stars at that level because they're not going to lose any luster. It can only help the guy winning if it's done properly. And this was done properly. Um, so it's just masterful booking. He buzzsawed through the, he beat all three favorites. The three people who we thought were going to win. I, yeah, I guess you could throw Ishii in there. But I, I mean, they're never pushing Ishii. Can we be honest about this finally? It's never going to happen. Um, and we've kind of not been so hot on the idea of pushing it. But people got to get that out of their brains. Ishii is in the spot that he's going to be in. So the realistic three favorites in this tour, I think Ishii was more of a dark horse pick for people. Yeah, Something I think some different. people are always – it's like we laughed about every single year in the G1 when people yeah. would pick Shibata and we're like, it's, right. it's not going to Shibata guys. Like, sorry, it's just not going to happen. Like, and it does, and you know, obviously it, it, it turned in a few years and Shibata was a legit candidate, you know, you know, by the time, you know, last year rolled around and after the cup last year, it was like, okay, now is the year you could finally pick him. Of course, you know, things happened, but with Shibata's career, but yeah, it's like, Ishii is not on that level at all right now. So yeah, people pick him, I think, hoping that something is different is going to happen, but it's, it, it's probably not. And until it does happen, uh, it, it, you're just kind of wasting your time a little bit. It, it'll, when it happens, it'll happen, but I don't think that there's any real purpose in uh, in, in hoping that's going to happen because I, I don't think it is. So Yeah, so we get a guy, when you beat Naito, Ibushi, and Tanahashi, and you do it in buildings like Cork and Hall, and believe it, the, the fans react to this guy now. I think Taka helps. I think the fact that he's buzzsawing through people helps. Um, I think the fact that he's not using Suzuki gun tactics. to yes. win Oh my God. That was so great. And, and commentary was great about that too. Kevin Kelly was really driving that home of like, Hey, look, these guys aren't coming in and doing a bunch of interference. And it's what we said from the beginning of Zack Sabre Jr. Coming in. Mm-hmm. And it was what frustrated us at the beginning is that we knew that this guy was capable of getting over just by being pricky Zack Sabre Jr. You know, being an mm-hmm. asshole that puts people in weird ass submissions and makes them tap. We knew that that would be the key to, to, to sort of, getting him to this level or whatever, but they would just bog everything down with the, the, the Taichi coming in. And, and, and this whole tournament was none of that stuff. It was none of the bullshit. Taka was out there to be the hype man. And then Taka was on the outside and Zack Sabre Jr. Did his work. He, he talked yeah. a big game, but he followed it up every single time. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's all we ever wanted out of him. 
So, and, 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 you know, he's gotten over with the Japanese fans. We know that Western fans like the guy, the commies and the furries like him. We all know that. So he's popular with everybody, you know, it's like, and, and, you know, he just needs to be Zack Sabre Jr. Who goes in there and taps people out. And now, you know, that, I forget what he, what was he called? The death napalm. What does he call that? Uh, the orienting by de- napalm death or whatever. Yeah. Right? You know, and it's, it's like that move is super fucking over now. And this guy is a fucking star now. And he's going to go to presumably Sakura Genesis. I mean, maybe a show before. I don't know what. The no, it's, it's Sakura Genesis. No, he officially said that. And I think they officially locked that. I mean, that's, you know, that is a ballsy fucking move. And that's the other thing about Gato and Jado. They do these ballsy booking moves. They're not, they're not scared. They're conservative, but they're not scared. There's a difference. Their stories move slow. Um, they're conservative. They don't switch gears a lot. They're not going to panic. They're going to lay out a major story, and they're going to see it through. We're seeing that with Naito and Okada. We're seeing that with Okada. We're seeing this; those both of those things run concurrent with each other and intersect at times. So they're not done with Naito. They're absolutely not done with Naito, but they're not done telling this Okada story. Um, so they're conservative and they're slow moving, but they're not scared. And you're going to put Zack Sabre Jr. in the main event of one of your four or five biggest shows of the year. You got to get that motherfucker over. So how do we do that? So they sit down at a table and they say, we're going to have him beat Tetsuya Naito, Kota Ibushi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi in the span of five days. That's how we're going to get him over. And it worked. You know, it, it, it's a, it takes a lot of guts and we'll see how it draws. You know, maybe it won't draw well. And we'll say, all right, well, now we go back to the beginning of the segment, Rich. You got to pick the right guy. So if it doesn't draw well, maybe he's not the right guy. Or maybe people aren't ready for him yet. AJ Styles didn't draw well at first. But they stuck with the plan and we saw how that turned out. And they were real gutsy with AJ Styles. They did that at the Dominion. Same kind of thing here, you know. It's like, you know, and so this is, it just takes guts. Guys, this is why Gato wins Best Booker by thousands of votes. This you know, We're going to talk about it later. This is why he got a billion votes and the second place finisher in the Observer poll got like 30. Because this is great stuff. You know? It's like, I know I'm Gato's number one fan. I'm not shy about that. I write about it in the book every year. But it's only because I'm look, I look at facts. And I look at what's obvious and right in front of me. And I'm not biased. You know, the only people who think Gato's a bad booker these days are people who are biased against the company or you're just dopes. Everybody, guy's a great booker. If you don't think so, you don't understand wrestling. Guy's great. Or Gato, whoever's responsible for this, the, t- the two of them. All, it's just Gato recently for whatever reason that gets all the credit. But, you know, this company is just, it's just tremendously booked. And there aren't many companies left that are tremendously booked anymore. It's rare. Uh, you know, and 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 this is another case where I, it's it certainly seems to me, and if it doesn't work out, they did everything they could to make sure that it was going to. The only, you know, and and maybe in hindsight we can look back and say, well, maybe the beginning of his run he shouldn't have gotten those cheap wins or the interference or those sorts of things. Maybe that hurt him early. I don't know. That feels like ancient history to me, and I do think this is all going to work because he certainly he was well, over in court. Not think about that. I don't know that I'm thinking about that ever. You know what I mean? Like it's it's one of those things where you can sort of one great week or a few great weeks or whatever and 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 a great lead up to Sakura Giant. I don't I'm I don't think I'm ever gonna care again that you know a year and a half ago he you know right. won because Taichi interfered and not because yeah. he you know 
locked on a you know a great submit. You're not going to care because a lot of that stuff can can sort of you can wipe that out with a lot of good booking. You can sort of wipe everything out and 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 now the the narrative and the story of Zack Saber Jr. is this, and they've told that so overwhelmingly that you don't really need to go back to the, the the history of him. You don't have to go back to what he did before. This is now the new path. He's sort of, and they're great about that. And I think that's one of the things I enjoy about New Japan the most is that when they, like the, the, when, the, the, when the switch gets flipped or whatever, you almost forget whatever happened before and you're all in on whatever that story is right now. Yes. And it's, you, you, you know, there's obviously there's reasons to look back at history and, and look at, but there's, when they say, hey, this is a new beginning for this guy and they do a symbolic with some guys and this was less symbolic. This was Taka, there was no Taka came out there and he became the hype man. And that's like the exact moment that you can say, okay, right here is when it changed. And it's not the same Zack Sabre Jr. That it was before. And that's sort of, they're good about doing that where it was a clear line of like, okay, he's serious now. This yeah. is no more bullshit. Now he's ready to go. And he's such a cocky prick right now. And he does those fist pumps after he wins. And how great is Taka as the mouthpiece? I know I brought it up earlier, but are you as into that as I am? Oh, I think dude, it's the it. best thing. It's the best thing going right now. I mean, it, 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 I almost I almost enjoy it and anticipate it more than Sabres matches. And I love, I, 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 you know, I'm a big fan of Zack Sabre Jr. many, many years I've been, but I'm almost like equally intrigued to see what Taka says and how the crowd reacts to what Taka says. So no, that I've been way in on, on, on Taka as the hype man. I think he's been incredible. And if you haven't watched or, or listened to what he's been doing, you've just been skipping to the match or whatever, you're missing out on, on arguably... I don't want to say the best part of his ex Virginia's entire run of this New Japan Cup, but but right up there, man. I mean, it it, it is completely transformed that character. And Taka is a talented guy. Taka's a smart guy. He runs his own promotion. He's been in the wrestling business for a billion years, but he still looks like he's 25 years old. He's he just doesn't age. You know, he's one of these guys that just doesn't age. No, he legitimately looks like two years older than he did in 1997. Like, he aged yeah. a little bit, but it's like three years in the last 25 years he's aged. So, And he's one of these guys who's great at everything he does in wrestling. And to finally give him something substantial to do, I think, is is is, is very intelligent. I mean, for years and years and years, all he did was carry around Suzuki's flag, you know, and take falls and matches and occasionally stretch a young boy on a Lionsgate show or an undercard. But now he's got something important. He's a main event player now. He's in a main event act. You know, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taka Mishinoku are going to have tag matches against Kazuchika Okada and Gato, and they're going to fucking rule. Those matches are going to fucking rule. You know? And he is now the mouthpiece for a main event act. And, you know, he's, he's... That's the depth of this company. You forget that he's there. And... Now he's a main event player. You know, it, 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 it's crazy. It's And to, to your point, when they flip a switch on a guy and it kind of feels like a new beginning, another great example was Omega at New Year Dash that year. Mm-hmm. You know, he loses to Kushida the night before. The next night, you know, we talk about all time, he pins Shinsuke Nakamura, and then he beats the shit out of AJ Styles to the point where that's the, the blow-off angle for AJ Styles and the company. And not only do you have a star made in one night, chainsaw, flagpole up the butt, Kenny. Right. Spraying his, his penis with the, the, you know, the, the icy hot or whatever. That, you'll never remember that ever again. It's ancient history. They made a star in one night. No more flagpoles up the asses. You'll never remember that ever again. Other and than- Rich, and how did they do it? He beat up the top guys. It's the same formula. How'd they make a star out of Okada? He pinned Hiroshi Tanahashi and ended a legendary title. I mean, it, 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 they don't try to reinvent the wheel here. I can't even call 
Gato and Jado a genius for this. It's just booking one on one. Yeah, it, it's just for wrestling, and we've lost sight of it somehow. I don't know. I don't understand how we did it, but it's like all you have to do, and and this game is it's not hard. All you need is conviction, and 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 a desire to do something. You pick a guy, you decide this is our guy, and you go with it, and you dive head first. And sometimes, it, like you said, it doesn't always work, but sometimes it does work. And one of the most famous examples is Hulk Hogan. Like people think that Hogan was on this like long. He came into the he came back to WWF, beat Iron Sheik, and they were just like Hogan's the best. He's the champion. Everybody should care about him, and everybody did. That's all it was. It wasn't. And then he beat grandiose. everybody. Right. It wasn't this grandiose, you know, he feuded with this and he did this or whatever. He came back in that company, wrestled a few times, beat Iron Chick in Madison Square Garden, and they all said, This is the guy. This is Hulkamania. And that this was it. That was all it took. And that was it. Like it wasn't this long built up thing. It wasn't this, you know, twist and turn and, and dip and dive and to try to figure. And it's not that hard to tell that story. And then for the next like four years or whatever, he just beat everyone in his right. path. And you can <laughs> count on one hand. You count on one hand the times that he was truly in peril. The King Kong Bundy attack on Saturday night's main event, which is a famous angle to set up WrestleMania 2. And the Andre angle to set up WrestleMania 3. You know, and it's like all his other feuds with Sika and Kamala and, and you know, whoever. Go down the list of all the various monsters he beat. He just, you know, he, he, he put a program of guys and he beat the shit out of them on every stop at the house tour. And that was that. And he looked dominant. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really not something that we make it too difficult now. But I guess we do have to give them credit though, because they don't overdo Like you said, they don't overthink it. It's just like, Hey, who's yeah. the good? We want to do this. Let's do it. You, you know, it wasn't like they, after the Naito match went, ah, you know, let's have him. Uh, maybe he'll lose to Bushi and then we, he can come back. And then in this time you could maybe do it. it. It's like, no, let's just fucking do it. Let's do it right now. There's a great yeah. opportunity to do it. Let's just fucking do it. He's and, just and- going to, he's just going to, yeah, we're, we're just going to have him beat everybody. The top guys. He beat like three of the top five guys. Who didn't he beat? Omega and the guy he's facing, Okada. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, he, he beat all the top guys. That's how you do it, man. And and so, what I like, um, too, is, is the style. So, sorry not to cut you off, but I think real quickly before, no, I, I like the, the style of the matches, too, I thought were really fun. The way he was finishing guys, it's very unique to what the house style of New Japan is. Because I think you and I, we talked about it last week with, with Okada when he does the Rainmaker pose. You know now that that's not when the match is going to end. But still, with everybody, with even with an Omega, with a Tanahashi, with an Okada, even with a Naito, you kind of have a sense, okay, this is now the closing stretch of the match. Okay, now they're getting ready to, to he's going to hit the, the Destino, and, and and you know that, okay, this is the build-up to the to what that final stretch of that match is going to be. So I'll strap in for the next two minutes because that's going to be really awesome or whatever. And it's criticism that some people make. I don't really mind it all that much. I kind of enjoy it because there's ebbs and flows before that point. But what Zack Sabre Jr. is doing and, and what it's really cool, and I think that's what I was sort of a shock to the system, is that there's like a struggle towards the end of the match. You're not quite sure when the match is going to end with Zack Sabre Jr. And then it just ends. Like that Tanahashi one, I fully expected Tanahashi to get to the ropes. There'd be a little bit more of this, a little bit more dipping and diving, a little bit more. And then it, Zack Sabre Jr. would hit something and then put the submission on. It's like, okay, now it's definitely set that he's going to win this match. Or even with the Ibushi, like Ibushi gets the ropes and 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 then Zack Sabre Jr. have to do one more thing. And then obviously he'd lock in the hold and then right in the middle of the ring and be like, okay, well now it's done. But the Tanahashi one is like two minutes of Tanahashi thinking, okay, what do I do? What do I do? Let me try this. Okay, shit, he got that. Okay, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me, all right, let me try to kick him in the head. That's my last chance. And then boom, he grabbed my leg and I'm done. And he taps out. And it's like, that's so unique to New Japan style right now. And and to the main event style. And it's such a great shock to the system because here's a guy that won this tournament by wrestling not necessarily their style. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's sort of what he's mentioned as well. He said like, hey, you guys do all your submissions, but I'm the fucking submission master. I think that was actually a quote that he had is like, yeah, the paradise lock, haha, you know, I have a thousand submissions. That stuff's stupid. That, that move's dumb or whatever. And it's just, it, now you have this guy who's who's a player 
and as a player in the way that nobody's really quite sure what they can do against him. Nobody's quite sure, okay, hey, if I if I kick him at the wrong time, he's going to lock my leg in and, and, and fucking tap me out or whatever. In, in some ways, it's kind of old school New Japan. It's kind of that 90s New Japan style where, where it was like a match can end at any point. Like Shin Hashimoto could just knock you out and fuck you up and, and it, the match could be over in five minutes or whatever. I get that vibe with a Sabre right now where, where it's like you don't know when the match is going to end. You're not quite sure where the ebb is going to come and where the flow is going to come and where the, the, the bounce back is going to come. And, and, you know, it's not a criticism, of course, of Omega and Okada because I love those matches, but there was an idea of like, okay, well, this is now the sort of in-between part. Okay, this is the end, and and here's kind of the the, the, the style of the match. Sabre's not wrestling that way. Sabre's wrestling a way that the Tanahashi match was wrestled differently than any New Japan main event we've seen in years because you did not know when it was going to end. You didn't know what was going to be the finish. You didn't think that what he locked in was going to be the finish until it was the finish, and that's that's really cool to see, and I think it's, it, it's sort of shaking up that, that top end of the card as well. You are dead on correct. He And I'm glad you brought it up because it was something I wanted to talk about, and I almost forgot, was his style is so much different than everybody else. I think that's helping him get over. And we talked about it with Sonata, where, you know, it's like New Japan has a house style, and Zack Sabre Jr. is doing something different. And because it's different, he's getting over. Um, so you're, you're absolutely right about that. It's a different style of match, and, and the fans are into it, you know? Um, and, and, and what he's doing is clicking, and what he's doing is working. So where we left off last time was the first round. We've had some. I think that's where we left off last time, right? Um, where did we? Yeah, it might have been the first round. Honestly, yeah, I don't know that we've gotten well, through everything else. Yeah, well, let's briefly run through some of the other matches, and then we'll focus on the uh, main event, which we've touched on a bit. We had the no, we talked. Didn't we talk about the? We did talk about the second round a bit, didn't we? Talk about I think maybe the maybe first half did. of the second round. I think we talked about the first half of the second round. We talked about the Robinson. So where we left off, we knew that Robinson and Tanahashi would be in the semis. We had no idea what the other semi was going to be. So Kota Bushi and Sabre hadn't happened yet. Uh, and Yano and Sonata hadn't happened yet as well. So that's, that's kind of where we left Okay. So Sabre Jr. Kota Bushi. I loved it. Oh, great. Any quick thoughts on that? No, the, the rough stoppage was an incredible part about that too. Cause I think that, and, and we talk about it again, it's like a way that you can sort of, he doesn't, Abushi doesn't lose anything in, in losing to Sabre, but you know, even if he tapped out, I don't think he really would lose anything. I don't think I'd be like, oh, well, that's done with Kota Bushi. He's, you know, put a, you know, put a fork in him. But it's like having him be the ref stop, it's just perfect for Kota Bushi's character. Because he's just like sometimes a dumb to a fault. Like he's stubborn to a fault. And you have to just end the match for him because he's not going to end it. Because he's just going to prove his point. And, 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 and I thought that was cool. And I thought it had, it had another aura to Zack Sabre Jr. It wasn't just that guys tapped out. It's that guys were just like caught like kotobushi was caught at that point it wasn't necessarily like i have no option or you're killing me or i'm passing out or whatever it was just like fuck he's got me what do i do what do i do what do i do and red was just sitting there i think it was red shoes it was the ref was just like all right look you got to do something or i'm gonna call this and eventually he just calls it and i love that idea of it's just like you're caught you can't get out of this move you can do whatever you can but you're not gonna move you're not gonna break this hold you're just gonna have to t- you know tap out and he wouldn't tap out so the ref's just like all right dude this is this is we're gonna be here all day if you do this so i have to do it for you so i thought that was good it, it, it kept abushi strong and it made saber it added another element to zach saber jr when you know when you he locks you in one of those moves there's no getting out and you might as well just tap out keep an eye on this story of kota abushi of zach saber jr having kota abushi's number just keep an eye on it mm-hmm. keep one eye on it I don't think they plant these things accidentally and then do things like this. I, I'm just saying, just keep an eye on it. Sonata beat Toro Yano. Uh, nothing much to say here. Um, Yano, we talked about it last week. I've had enough of the guy. I don't want to see him in important spots anymore. I don't want to see him advancing into tournaments like this. Um, 
it was good that on the final show, Killer Elite Squad, who they're clearly pushing hard um, because they keep scoring falls in their multi-man tags, and they defeated Ishii and Yano, who had been beating everyone. Remember, we talked about this, Rich. Ishii and Yano were like on a just, you know, cutting through the roster yeah. like a knife to butter right, when right. in tag matches left and right. And Killer Elite Squad got a big win over them. I think that was symbolic. I think Killer Elite Squad is being set up for a title shot. They keep complaining that Evil and Sonata have not been stripped of the titles despite not defending them. So they're setting up a match between those two teams. I'm all about that. Uh, they're giving a good, strong push to Killer Elite Squad. But uh, that was just a uh, – Yano made me think of that. Um, so uh, you don't have anything to add about the Sonata Toru Yano. Uh, I got absolutely nothing. Yeah, fucking over over him and, and really don't want to ever see him Okay, again. so let's get to the good shit. We've got um, – then Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Sonata in a very long match. This match didn't do a ton for me in the semifinal. This was probably my least favorite of the Zack Sabre Jr. matches. Actually, you know, I don't know, neck and neck with the – the Naito match really was dry to me. Um, I may have liked the Sonata match a little more, but um, I, I, I don't think it held a candle to his match with Ibushi or the one with Tanahashi. What do you think of a Sonata Zack Saber Jr. Uh, semifinal? Yeah, it, it was kind of a polarizing match because I saw some people that really loved it. I mean, there were some people that, that thought it was their match of the year, one of the best matches they've seen all year. And, like, and, Are yeah, you serious? I, I, I've seen that. Yeah, I think uh, your, your boss at the old Funny Spirit magazine, I believe uh, Mr. Brian Elliott, said that it was his wow. match of the year right now. So I think, and and I saw a lot of people, and he wasn't alone. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pointing him out because I remember him vividly saying it. Sure it's the Sonata match and not I'm the Tanahashi match. Positive. I'm positive. Wow. And that's because wow. I watched it and I was like, that didn't do a whole lot for me. It was good. I enjoyed it. But yeah, when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, really? Okay. I mean, to me, it was, I, I guess if you really like chain wrestling and you really like kind of ground game, you know, back and forth gamemanship on, on, on you know, mat wrestling, you might enjoy it a little bit more than me, but I don't know. I, I thought it was good. Like I, I, we're, we're both kind of, you know, quote unquote burying it. I thought it was very, you know, solid and really good, but it wasn't like, yeah, when I saw like a lot of the, 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 the really high praise for it, I was, I was pretty fascinated that people were as into it uh as they were so no i was i was kind of stunned by that because yeah i I was kind of like you i don't want to say indifferent but i thought it was good i think good is is about where i put it where you know three and a quarter three and a half star yeah exactly where saber and tanahashi i fucking loved i adored that match and 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 kodobushi's next saber junior i i I loved as well this was good and i thought it was fine (laughs) like it was one of those matches all right i hear you so then we had tanahashi over juice robinson now let me tell you a little story about this match Rich, I tried to watch this match about a half a dozen times over the course of the week, and I would either get distracted by work, distracted by a screaming child, distracted by a phone call, distracted by uh, a little TLB sexy time. I would fall asleep. I kept getting distracted, and I couldn't finish this fucking match. And I almost hand-waved it and said, you know what? I've tried to watch this match. Have you ever tried to watch a match like a million times? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it happens all the time. And it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> you've and then seen, you don't want to watch And you've it. seen the same five minute. The, you've seen the open, like the first five minutes, like 10 times. And you're like, ah, God, I don't want to see this ever again. And you just hate the rest of the match because yeah. you've seen the first five minutes 10 times in a row. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, I've seen 80% of this match in bits and pieces. And none of it has exactly blown me away. And I, But today I said, you know what? I got a little free time. We're doing the flagship later. I'm going to give it one more shot. Nobody's home. I'm going to turn my phone off. I'm going to watch the fucking match. And Rich, I am so glad I made that decision because I loved it. Once I settled down and watched it, distraction-free, and saw the stories that they told, I loved it. So there's a lesson for you. I nearly blew it off because of, you know because of the frustration of not being able to see it. But then when I finally watched it, 
it's probably my second favorite match in the tournament. Um, you know, to the you know, I thought the, the final obviously to me was the best match of the tournament. Um, but yeah, I probably liked it a little bit better than the Zack Saber Jr. Kota Ibushi match, which I would put third to this point. Wow. And I okay. thought the yeah. Ogin Tomohiro match would be my fourth favorite match, you know, from the from the first round. Um, but yeah, I, I I loved it. What'd you think of this match? I enjoyed it as well, and I think uh, it, it kind of stinks that like Zack Saber Jr. It doesn't stink, obviously. It's great that Zack Saber Jr. has had the run that he's had in this New Japan Cup. Because if not, I think the talk would be Juice Robinson, and I think we should still talk about how great Juice Robinson has been this entire tournament. He has reached an entire new level. And that dude is is you know, like we said. I, I don't know what the, the he's probably not IWGP Heavyweight Champion level. He's probably not main event level. But man, if they wanted to have him do a never run or whatever, and they've sort of hinted to it, we'll talk about it here on the final night. They could do it, man. He he's ready to go. Whatever they need for him, the connection of the crowds there. He's as comfortable as can be. He's telling great stories. He's telling match to match stories. He's getting you know great stuff out of the people he's in the ring with. I mean, yeah, obviously it's not hard to have a great match with Horace Tanahashi, but. I mean, to where he was three years ago and, and in terms of where he was in Japan, you know, those years ago, it's night and day. I mean, this dude is a made man. He's ready to go. And and yeah, it, it's it's been incredible the run that he's been on this tournament because, it, yeah, if, if not for Zack Sabre Jr., we would be talking about Juice Robinson. But there's just no reason, you know, to, to ignore what, what, what Sabre's doing. But I do want to shed some light on, on Robinson because I thought he's had an incredible tournament and it was fun to see. And I really was kind of in a way like when, when, when I saw what the final was, it made all the sense in the world. But like part of me was kind of hoping that like Juice would just make it to the final. And, you know, if it was against not or whoever that juice would lose in the final and that'd be a great moment but i think he got just as over losing in the semifinals that, that he would have in the finals you could make an argument he was the mvp of the tournament all really three could. of his matches yeah all three of his matches made my notebook i thought his performances were out of this world and well, i don't think at, it's have out- you seen the length of time in those matches too like they were long matches they're like 29 minutes with tanahashi like yeah yeah and i don't think it's out of this world or a crazy opinion i think he's one of the 20 20 best wrestlers in the world what do you think of that who boy, yeah. I mean, I'd have to really okay. think about it in my head and do kind of let a countdown. Make, let, but I don't think I don't think that's crazy. I mean, I'm I'm just in my sell, quick little math. Yeah, I don't think so. Let me sell it to you and then give yeah, your yeah. opinion. In terms of the total package, um, he's a great baby face. He sells like a motherfucker. He bumps like a fucking madman. Whenever he's put in a big spot, he delivers, which is a Big is an important thing for me. It's a very important thing. You're in a big spot. I want you to deliver. And every time he's been put in a big spot, he's delivered. Right. And and, and increasingly big spots, too. I, it's kind of been a trope on the show where you're like, oh, this is the biggest match of his career or whatever. But we the, the fact that we keep saying that is one thing. And the fact that every time he has one of those, this is the biggest match of Juice Robinson's career, it fucking delivers. And it's always good. And that it, it's to get better each time and to improve constantly is, is not easy. And he's doing it. Yeah. And, the, you know, it's and again, it's it's look, if it was an isolated great match with Hiroshi Tanahashi, who's one of the smartest and greatest wrestlers of all time, you don't go crazy about it. But he had a great match with great psychology against Michael Elgin. He had a great match that with an exciting closing stretch against. Against Yujiro, Yujiro. Yeah, that that's an all time right there. That getting like a legit, awesome, incredible match out of Yujiro is is an all time accomplishment for Juice Robinson. <laughs> I mean, we've had people in the company tell us it's hard to work with Yujiro. I mean, you know, it's like Yujiro. He had a great match. Three matches, all different. Well, you know, the Tanahashi and Elgin matches were similar. He was fighting from underneath in both of those matches, but that's really where his strengths lie: fighting from underneath. That's what you want to see Juice Robinson do. We've seen him in an enhancement role be incredible in NXT. So when you you can say what what is the guy not great at? 
I think he's one of the he's a total package. I I mean, I'm not sure I can come up with 20 guys who are definitely better than him right now. Definitely better. You I mean, you might be able to come up with 40 or 50 where it's like debatable, but can you come up with 20 who are definitely better? I, I, I maybe it's crazy. Maybe I'm on an island. I don't know. But that's my stance right now. I think he's one of the 20 best in the world. It's um. What do we got left? So then we had, of course, the final. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about the? I only watched the final match. I haven't seen the rest of the the card. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Let's um. Let's talk about the final match, and then um. You could lead me through the card because there was a lot of key, key angles and stuff. Right. I, did you see any of the other show, or so, did you just see the main event? I saw the whole show. Oh, you did. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I'll, I'll kind of lead you through it, and you can sort of uh, lead that part then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, let's let's do the main event first. I mean. Tanahashi Saber, I thought was the best match of the tournament. I thought it was uh it blew away their previous. I don't remember. Did you like their previous match? Because I hated it. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember really, really disliking it. I don't know if I I disliked it. I, I think you called it like I forget what you said, but you really disliked it. I I was not a fan at all, though. I mean, I I didn't hate it nearly as much as some people did, including yourself, but I was I was not into it. I thought it was boring as shit and, and exactly the opposite of what I wanted those two dudes to, to have in a match. So I, I thought it was a legitimately not good match, um, their first match. This, I thought, I went four and a half on this. I thought it was fucking great and dramatic um, and all of those things um, with the right guy winning. It had all those great elements. Both guys were on their game. Tanahashi had a great fucking tournament. I mean, we talk about Zack Sabre Jr. and Juice Robinson. Hiroshi Tanahashi, I mean, this fucking guy, I mean, he just keeps climbing the list of all-time greats. I mean, it's getting stupid now how good this guy is. And, I mean, I know you've alluded to it on Twitter and those sorts of things. This guy's got the physique of a Greek god. Pretty hard to do when you're constantly have every part of your body injured, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Amazing that so, he's able to continue the bulk, even though, you know, his, 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 his biceps and, and look, are, are torn, his knees are shot, and yeah, he's... he's goes to show guys a brilliant worker because late in his career he's using these i'm sure he's banged up like everybody is and um but he's using these you know legitimate injuries and worked injuries and turning them into a gimmick you know where zach saber jr saying this guy's held together by hairspray and fucking tape you know and it makes it part of the match stories and it's brilliant you know i think the guy we've talked about a million times but you know, I think he's legitimately banged up, but I think he certainly plays the injuries up. And he's not nearly as banged up to the extent that people think he is. Um, and that's credit to him. Because I, I do think he's a brilliant wrestling mind, and he knows that that's a smart way to to for this chapter of his career. Um, but this match, to me, you know, checked every box. And um, it's a New Japan Cup final that I am going to remember for a long time. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and you sort of alluded, we talked about Sabre a lot, but yeah, I think the Tanahashi performance, I mean, he's so good at, at drawing the sympathy out of it. And and, and I guess I, we, we should include all those guys in there, you know, as we're, we're talking about this final, whatever. But these dudes, it takes two to tango. And all these guys busting their ass to make Sabre stuff look great and, and, and busting their ass to to get tied in knots by this guy or whatever, it, it, it's something to behold, too. I mean, it, it's that's what's great, you know, when, when we talk about all the things that are great about this company, too, is that when whenever... Who, what are the, what, the Sabres booked to, to buzzsaw through these guys and beat all these guys or whatever. 
it would take, you know, wouldn't be very hard for Tanahashi to go, ah, fuck it. No, I'm not doing that. Like, nah, you know, you can beat me in two minutes or roll me up with, you know, tights or, yeah, I need a distraction or I need, you know, to get hit with a chair and then he can pin me or whatever. Tanahashi says, nah, man, I'll struggle. I'll struggle. You lock me into your finish and I'm done. You know what I mean? Nakota Bushi, you know, yeah, I'll, 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 you know, get the ref stoppage or whatever. That there's not that ego there. And, and Tanahashi doesn't, I think, get enough credit for the lack of ego he has because a lot of stuff that he's done for his lack of ego has created so many stars in this company time and time again. I mean, fuck, like, imagine pitching to him the, the, the Okada thing. Hey, that loser yes. that bombed at Wrestle Kingdom is going to beat you for the title. You cool with that? And for him to and go, then, yeah. You have a, <laughs> a four-year feud with him that you're going to be on the short end of the stick with. Right, mm-hmm. you're gonna, you know, and then he's gonna take your spot, and you're gonna go down the card, and have yeah. the guy be like, "Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, <laughs> like I'll do that. I'll bust my ass and make yes. that the greatest thing ever." Like, I, imagine, like I don't know if I would be able to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I would be able to reconcile that if I was told my replacement is here, here he is, and he's gonna beat you. And yeah, I know that he sucks, and the last match he had was terrible, but you guys are gonna do great. Like, it's gonna, it's gonna go well. Like, the balls in that guy to do that. And, like, again, like, that's one of the great parts of this company, too, is everyone is in lockstep. Everybody buys into it a little bit. And and that's what makes something as special as the Sabre thing. Because if these guys went out there and had put in half efforts, rolling their eyes, and, and obviously being, you know, pushed to do whatever they were going to do, and Tanahashi going, ah, fuck this. I don't really like this guy. I don't think this is going to work or whatever. And it, it was a bomb match. We wouldn't be talking about this like we are right now. We were talking about how maybe it's a bad decision for them to go with him or whatever. But, no, instead, all these guys bust their ass in, with – Tanahashi being the top of those because he worked his ass off in this match. Zack Sabre Jr. looked like a million bucks and he's so good at doing that. And it it, it it might, you know, for better or for worse, be his legacy when it's all said and done for Hiroshi Tanahashi. Like, there's going to be people that are going to remember the, the high times of Hiroshi Tanahashi, but I think a lot of the people, given, you know, when their entry point in New Japan is, it's going to be that this guy was just the selfless veteran who was willing to do whatever it took to get the next guys over. And that's 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 going to be his legacy. And that's that's fine. That's a great legacy to have. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. The guy fucking rules. What else is there to say? He's great. It's Roshi Tanahashi, bitch. Man, Zach, you know, the problem too is he and Zach working on the bicep and working on the knee the entire match. It's like, man, don't you know that this man is rehabbing injuries? It's it's <laughs> you know, doesn't lose any muscle and every match is 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 centered around the guy beating the fuck out of the body parts that he, you know, needs to get surgery on. But you know, hey. <laughs> Shota Uminu. Defeated Tetsuhiro Yagi in the opener with the Boston Crab. Now, notable here is Umino, or Amino, whatever they call him, however you pronounce that last name, Red Shoes Kid. This is the one I've hitched my wagon to, Rich. They've got a million young boys right now. They all look good. They all look real good. They all look scary good. The dojo is loaded. But this is the one I just see something with this guy. And I think they do too because he's he defeated a guy who – um, you know, came into uh, up to the roster at the same time he did. So maybe they see him. You know, listen, for all I know, Yagi could beat him the next time around. We could have a Tanaka Komatsu situation where they go like 48 and 48 against each other until they go off to excursion. But I think they see what I see in Umino. I think this guy can, this is the one I'm hitching my wagon to. Um, you know, you got to have some guts, take some chances. This is the guy that I see. I think he's got the look. I think he's got the frame. I think the more he fills out, um, I just see something with this dude. And the work is there. The work is there with all of these guys. So, Aminu defeats Yagi. And I know you didn't watch these matches, right? I did not. No, I mean, my thoughts on Aminu are pretty similar to you. I think Kitamura is still my guy that I'm sort of hitching away. But he's kind of a... I, that's you know, cheating, Rich. It is cheating. I agree. And that's why I didn't feel comfortable with it. So, if it, if, if he's eliminated from that, uh, when you look at the other guys, Aminu is the guy that I think is is kind of the star from it. I mean, Oka is, is fine. I, I, I feel like Oka is probably going to be the... the 
clear out of, you know, whatever, however many it is. If it's three or four, I think he's going to be the worst out of that bunch. I think Yagi's got a little bit. I, well, I mean, worst out of three, and he's still great. Like, I'm not saying that he's, yeah. like, you know, I'm not saying he's yeah, not, yeah, like you said. Like, uh, right. Um, like, uh, yeah, I forget about Ren. Yeah, I forget that Ren's kind of bumping around there. I, I don't know. The Oka. Kwato has gone away. Yeah, well, I think Kwato's um, great. No, Kwato's definitely great. Um, in this current batch, two new guys debuting um, at Lionsgate. There's two more debuting. So, um, you know, and then there's there's Oka, and then uh, who am I, mean, I forgetting? Oka's fine. He's okay. I don't know. I just don't have that same. Umino, you could see. You know what I mean? Like he's that guy, and and you alluded to it as well. And I think um, some other people have mentioned as well that you see this guy, and it's like this is a dude. Like this guy could. You, you can already envision him main eventing shows. You know what I mean? It's going to be in five, six years, but you can sort of feel it already. With Kawato, I had the, not necessarily the feel that he would main event shows, but that he was going to be this cult figure. Like, you could feel it already. The crowd was already attached there. Oka, I don't know where the path is quite yet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what direction it's going to go. And Yagi, he's kind of the same boat. Like, I I, I kind of have some ideas of where Yagi's going to be. I think he's going to be closer to Amino than he is Oka. But Oka, I look at, and I'm just like, I don't, I just don't see it with Oka quite yet. And that's, again, it's not saying that he's terrible. Terrible and really sucks. It's just that Umino and Yagi are, are, are really good. And like you said, it's an unbelievable crop of guys right now. Oka could be a great roster guy, but I don't see him as like main eventing. I don't see him in the title picture. I don't see him as as one of the guys that we're talking about in five six years as like a star or whatever. And that's that's fine. But that's the sort of where I'm at with with, with Oka in, in relation to Umino and Yagi, who I do think are on that different level. Yagi and Narita, I don't have a read on yet. Um, Umino, obviously, I, I I see big things for him. Kawato has a rare, rare, rare crowd connection, which is very important. Um, so I would, I'm, I'm, you know, I wrote him off early as a guy who's going to be a an undercard workhorse, hard worker, but he's got a crowd connection that you cannot teach, and that's very important. Um, Kitamura, look, he's going to come back and get a push. I mean, but that's cheating. I mean, that's I don't even count him. He's like 35 fucking years old. Um, <laughs> he looks like a Greek god. He's tanned. He has fangs. I mean, come on. I mean, that's cheating. Oka, I'm not. I'm. I'm buying. I'm gonna, I don't like the weight loss with Oka. Is that? Is, am I alone in that? He looks goofy. I liked, a little, I liked him a little pudgier. I liked him a little chubbier. Yeah, he's I'm not got a big head. He's got too big of a head to be as skinny as he is. I'm higher on Oka than you are. I think okay. that I okay. That's a good transition because he wrestled Taichi here. They gave Taichi first of all. Before I talk about Oka, quickly on Taichi, it was it's good to give him some visual wins as a heavyweight. He's been losing. You know, he, he wrestles uh, Naito, loses. Okay, it's it's a young lion. I get it, but if you're going to establish the guy. It's good to get him in there and give him some visual wins, right? We won a little match here. It's good. As far as Oka goes, I love that he's sort of turning himself into the young lion who just fucking throws people. Whether it's gut wrench suplexes or overhead tosses, he's developing a style. And it's a unique style. Uminu, Yagi, Narita, they have your standard young boy. I'm going to scream and throw forearms. I'm going to put you in a Boston Crab and scream a lot. I'm going to get put in the Boston Crab and I'm going to crawl to the ropes. I'm not knocking that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what you're going to get. It's like that, 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 that's that, it's that, like that house young lion style that Oka is separating himself from that now. He's tossing people around. He's using his. Uh, you know, his amateur background more. Um, and again, when the office and the trainer are that 
enamored with you, you're going to get more chances than the other guys. I think his style is unique. I think it's a throwback style. Um, I think it, it, it's a style that's going to harken a lot of people back to the true strong style era and those sorts of things. I would not write him off yet. I think that the, you, you can still see him develop into a star because he could be a lot different. Could I easily see him settling into – I'm trying to think of a good example. I was going to say Togi Makabe, but he was a star at some point. Current Togi Makabe. Can I see him settling into a current modern-day Togi Makabe? Sure. You know, where he hits maybe the upper mid-card and can't uh, – Hiroki Goto, I guess, is a good, the best uh, example of that. Um, but I could also see him fulfilling the potential that a lot of people thought he had, um, you know, when they initially signed him. So – I don't know. I'm buying a little higher on him than you are. We'll see how it plays out. He looks to me like a Japanese Fedor Milianenko. Like he's prematurely bald. He looks like he's 45 <laughs> years old. Yeah, he does look much older than he is. Yeah, you'll be shocked when you actually look at how old he is. Because yeah, and he's looked that way for a while too. If you go back and look at like old pictures when he was doing MMA or whatnot, or you know, trained to do amateur wrestling, he like when he was 18, he looked like he was like 37 years old. So yeah, he's uh, he's an old fella. Fale, Yujiro, and Tangaloa. Defeated Togi Makabe, Mike Elgin, and Toa Hanare. Uh, the only takeaway from this match is Tangaloa is calling his new finisher the ape shit. What do you think of that? <laughs> it's it's to the point. I like it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. So uh, nothing else really to take away from that. This is um, six guys that they're doing absolutely nothing with. So uh, there you go. We had the match we talked about earlier, Killer Elite Squad, with a solid definitive win over a pushed tag team as they defeat Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano. Um, look, anytime they do a straight two versus two tag with push teams, you know it means something. And this was clearly to set up Killer Elite Squad for a title match. Archer cut a promo after, uh, you know, saying as much. And they looked strong the entire tournament, scoring the falls in their multi-man tags with the killer bomb on people all tour long. And I got to be honest, they've looked great. And I am looking forward to the match they have with Sonata and Evil. And as I say that, there probably are plans to stick a third team in there. So <laughs> Fortunately for better. Yeah, yeah, because that's just what they do. But no, I think uh, one thing that I've noticed on this tour as well, and I know obviously he's been doing it for years, but Archer's really getting that water thing over. Like, And I think and it's like he's he's really ramped it up now where like people are just diving out of the way, kids are crying. like, And he's always kind of had that to a bit, but now he's really egging it on. He's really driving it home. And it's cool because it's a fun little gimmick. It reminds me of like Stan Hansen, you know, running through the, the crowd, you know, with his bull, his bull whip and everybody, you know, running out of the way and screaming and fear and toppling over chairs or whatnot. And you get that now with Archer. And like it's always been there a little bit, but I think he's, he's really ramped it up on this tour. And I think it's it, it's been obvious that this KS, like they're a little bit more motivated too. You can tell when, again, let me say all this time, the guys understand when they're going in a direction, the guys understand where they are the card or whatever and you can feel that archer and smith can definitely tell that this is building towards something bigger so they're, they're giving a lot of effort on this show and you can tell that it it, it, it shows in their work too because they've been awesome the entire uh, few weeks yeah they look great and then we had uh let's see juice robinson and david finley against hiroki goto and yoshihashi um robinson and finley win which was a big upset because i mean it's just screaming at you for david finley to take a fall here but Ro- they not only won but Juice Robinson pins Goto with the Pulp Friction. You alluded to this earlier. So obviously Juice Robinson coming off a tremendous New Japan Cup run is in line for a never title shot. I don't know if it's going to happen in Long Beach this Sunday. I don't know if it's going to happen at Sakura Genesis. I don't know if it's going to happen at Dantaku or whatever the fuck. But this guy's getting a title shot against Goto. Now, let's go back to last year because this is what this company does so fucking well. Juice Robinson, right around this time of year, 
gets a never title shot against Hiroki Goto. And Rich, do you recall the story of that match? <sighs> I don't. Yeah, I don't I know. I, I, I don't. Yeah. Dude. Okay, please do. It was Juice Robinson clearly not being in the same class as Hiroki Goto and basically getting his ass kicked for about 15 minutes. Right. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, he challenged, and everybody kind of laughed. It was like, no. <laughs> you know, why well, do you Yeah, but like, then the story right, of the right. match itself as well, where Goto basically just dominated him. And right, Juice right, made, okay. You know, yeah. So it's kind of like they're showing Juice's progression, because I bet you he goes into this. I bet he wins this fucking match. You know? It wouldn't shock me at all if he beats Goto, or he comes razor close to beating Goto. They're telling this long-term story of Juice Robinson's progression, and they've circled all the way back to his first big time match, which was a never challenge of Hiroki Goto last year. That's cool as fuck. And that's why I get so excited about this company because they do shit like this. Yeah, the juice thing's been awesome. And like I said, it, it, it's kind of a shame that Saber's been as good as he has this entire tournament because uh, it's really overshadowed what Juice has been doing. And, and and this was a I haven't seen it yet, but I just reading the results. Cool that he got the visual pin and 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 yeah, it's obviously leading, hopefully. Um, I mean, it seems like they're obvious that that's happening, that the match there. And and yeah, it's like he's not gonna win, and I don't want him to win. It's like Juice is one of those guys too. We talk about with um with Hanma all those years ago. Like, I want Juice at some point to win. But I think like having him get close and fail is almost as good as just having him. Because if he just came here and just beat Goto, I mean, okay, fine, he beat Goto. But the, the really the intrigue, and especially in Japan, they love the long struggle. They love that this guy gets so close and just can't do it. Because then they want to be there when he does it, and that's really awesome. So yeah, like he's going to lose this match, and he should. And then the next step will be okay. Can he get a little closer? Can he get a little closer until he actually beats him? And then that's just going to be such a monumental moment. But I really hope they don't do it right away. There's 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 time. Build it. Take your time with it. We love this show. Loves the baby face that can't get over the hump story. We, <laughs> we really do. Yeah, it's it's our stretcher job. It's, it's when Vince McMahon yeah. is the stretchers. We are to the baby face not being able to get it done. We love crushing everyone's dreams and saying no. Your favorite should lose. We love doing that. Okay, so we had Naito, Sonata, Bushi, and Hiromu against Minoru Suzuki, Takashi Azuka, Kanemaru, and Despi. The themes here. Okay, so Sonata wins the match with the skull end. So they kind of, you know, Sonata gets his heat back after losing to uh, Zack Sabre Jr. or whatever, and he scores the fall. So they're not really giving up on Sonata. He had a nice little run in New Japan Cup, scoring some falls in some matches where they could easily give the falls to other people. So there's that. But there were two angles here. The Suzuki-Naito stuff, which has been going on all tour long. So Naito's going to challenge Suzuki for the Intercontinental title. And then we had Bushi and Hiromu getting into it with Despi and Kanemaru after the match. And then Yo and Sho came out. Looks like we're getting another three-way, my friend. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't even care anymore. How can it's, it's, I it? It is what it is. It, it, you just got to unfortunately accept it. There's no point in getting upset about it, you know? I, I don't, you know, I. what's the point? Are we going to have the same? thing, Joe. They're not going to change. There's no point in getting upset about it. So. Yeah. You know, so so there we go. And, you know, the, a couple shows earlier, Yo and Show came out as a surprise and went after. And I was like, oh, well, there we go. But nope. That, nope. nope. Then we get the three-way brawl two nights later. So, you know, what the fuck are you going to do? So there you go. We had Kazuchika Okada and Chucky T against Kota Ibushi and Chase Owens. Um, Okada won basically every match on the tour with the Cobra Clutch. Uh, and he used it on Chase Owens here. A tremendous closing stretch with Chase Owens. Chase Owens is becoming such a good closing stretch guy. And it's partially because he always takes the fall, right? He always takes the fall for Ibushi. He always takes the fall for Omega. 
He always takes the fall when he teams, you know, in the bullet club multi-mans. So he's gaining all of this. He's always in the closing stretch. He's always the guy left in the ring against the star from the other team while all of his teammates are being held around the waist and unable to get into the ring to help him. He's always that guy. He always, he nearly hits that package pile driver like he did here, but it gets thwarted and then he eats the finish and he takes the pin, but it's always creative. It's always good. It's always done well. And Chase Owens, you need that guy on the roster. And yet, then they have that guy. He's respected. If you hear the Bullet Club members, particularly the elite guys, talk about him, they respect the fuck out of Chase Owens and how hard he works and how he fills his role. And uh, and 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 he's it, it, it again. Not everyone can be. Look, this guy's never going to be a star in this company, right? But he doesn't have to be. You need guys to fill these sorts of roles. Um, so there's that, and the like cool Kota Ibushi Chase Owens team, which is like the two friends of some guy who just ended up hanging out with each other. <laughs> right. The one guy you know? said, Oh, I can't make it tonight. Like they met at a bar and like their third friend was going to show up and then he just couldn't show. And right. like, you don't want to leave, but then like, yeah. And, and maybe you find, you know, at first it's awkward. It doesn't quite work. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, okay. And then you're like, kind of like, awkward because you both realize that you usually need the other guy there as right. like, but bridge. after a few hours, a few drinks, yep few wings you realize hey you know what this guy's cool too it. yeah all right man what's up like all right cool yeah. like we're, we're, we're good buds now like it takes a little while it's you need a few wings you need a few drinks like something's got to be on the tv something good has to be on the tv for a while because yep. you need to talk about the game you know what i mean like hopefully yes. something's on you're like oh yeah 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 but how's your bracket doing <laughs> like whatever like awkward small talk but after that hour little by little something happens you say you don't, you don't even fuck that third guy you don't even remember that he was going to show up you two are fast friends, and that's what's happened with these guys. I enjoy it. And we've all been there. And then uh, the other team, which is kind of the same thing, Okada and Chucky e. T had a lot of interesting interactions on this tour as well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Chucky e. T. Chuck T um, is the how am I here? What am I doing? What is all this guy is pretty great. And then Okada being like, I don't know who you are, but whatever. <laughs> so in terms of guest commentators, we had Chucky e. T, who was tremendous with Kevin Kelly. Uh, he was funny. Well, Taylor's uh, great. I mean, Taylor's great on PWG as well. So he's he's one of my favorite commentators in wrestling. David Finley, he <laughs> tried hard. He tried hard. Uh, um, I guess. But did he I mean, try hard, though? No, did he try no. hard? That's, that's the why other I was, thing. I wanted to, yeah, because, like, Kelly would set him up, like, on a platter of, like, yeah, that's, like, a tough move. Like, yeah, he's working over the knee. Like, uh, have you ever gotten your knee worked over in a match? And he would be like, yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin would be like... All right, well, here we go. Like you gotta, you gotta dig so a little bad bit more. But it's hard. Like people think that it's easy to get yes. on this mic and, and and talk. And like I'm sure what happened backstage is like, hey, who wants to do the English commentary? And Finley's like, yeah, how hard could it be? And then you get on there and you go, oh my god, like I have to, I can't just answer a question. I can't just be direct. I have to paint a picture, tell a story, do this. Or it's way harder to do than people think. People think it's nice and easy to get on a mic and and start talking about wrestling or doing. It's not easy at all. And that's like you could tell that stage fright kind of came with Finley, where it was like, oh god, like I don't know how to get to that next level where, where Chuck Taylor's a polished. He knows exactly what he's doing. Finley was like, I'll, you know, I'll give you the exact answer to the question you have. And that, that is all. And <laughs> that was the promise. He just didn't expand on anything. And they gave no real insights. Like, Oh yeah, your father was a great wrestler. Like, yeah, he was. Okay. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really yeah. trying here. I'm really trying, David, but uh, you're not giving me much. Hey, he, he, I guess tried. I mean, he didn't quit halfway through. So I guess that's, that's trying. I but, like some yeah. of the young lion insights that he gave though. <laughs> Where Kelly asked him, who used to carry Tanahashi's gear? 
you know, and then he would talk. That's that, that stuff was kind of cool. And he was good manner. He was good. He was in good spirits and, and those sorts of things, but he wasn't, the worst. He wasn't the worst. I'll give him no, that. No, I'm getting to that. Bad luck folly. <laughs> oh boy. Holy shit. Did he stink at this? Um, and this is where I really felt bad for Kelly because Kelly was just getting no help and he kept trying to kick it to him and feed him and set it up for him. And he was getting nothing in return. I mean, Fale just was awful. I mean, it was just, I don't even know. I mean, it just, it was horrible. You know, he just, he, he, he barely said a word when he did, you couldn't hear him. Um, and, and then, you know, he was. He was providing Japanese. Yeah, why why couldn't you hear him? <laughs> like, what was he? Does he not know, I don't how to know what was going on? He doesn't know how to wear a mic or something. He's he a- was providing Japanese <laughs> translations, which I thought was useful. But then it turned out at the end of the show, they thanked the translator who was sitting right there. So he was just—he wasn't even doing that. Like he had somebody doing it for him. I don't know. That yeah, it was Jingo. Jingo was there, right? I don't know who it was. Yeah, he did. I think that's the guy that's been shouting out the entire tour, Jingo. Yeah, I don't know the guy's name, but yeah. So it wasn't even. I thought Fale was just using his Japanese expertise. No, he's just using the. Tra- he was utterly useless. Don't ever put him in the booth again. And I feel terrible for Kevin Kelly. The last one was Juice, who jumped in for the main event of the final night, and he was fucking awesome. Yeah, he was Juice the was best great. of the bunch. Ooh, uh, I don't know if he's better than Taylor. Second, see, I'll give him second Taylor's best. funnier, but I thought Juice provided the best like straight wrestling commentary okay yeah i I guess he was given a little bit more insights into the i I think it was perfect for the i don't know if taylor like here's what i I liked taylor's performance more but i like that juice was on that match on that night does that make sense where if taylor was in that spot it wouldn't have been as good makes sense and it's fair because you needed sort of that element of seriousness for the main event uh you don't need taylor kind of i don't know that taylor just would have went into full goofing around mode but you're right. He's probably not the right guy for that particular job. Well, Juice has been there. He knows those guys. He's had experience. He's wrestled those guys. Like, there's a little bit more yeah. there. Where, well, I guess Chuck Taylor's wrestled Zach Sabre Jr. pretty, but not necessarily as much. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's. I think Juice was was perfect for 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 that night. Whereas Taylor was was good for the night that he did as well. Yeah, and, and Juice was talking about the running psychology of the whole. You know, uh, between you know with with Tanahashi and Zack Saber Jr. Um, you know, throughout the 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 entire tournament and sort of what their match strategies were and that's those sorts of things. I thought he did an excellent job. I thought he was comfortable on the mic. Um, and 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 you know maybe Fale was so fucking bad. That they decide because wasn't that the same show and they brought Juice out? Oh no, David Finley. I think it was David Finley, right? The three man. <sighs> I'm trying to remember which was which. Yeah, what day was was what? But I thought Folly was on his own and did a whole show, but I could be wrong. I, I yeah, forget what. I just remember it was terrible. <laughs> I want to forget it. I'm dying again over here. But it was yeah, it was the David Finley night where they brought Juice in for the three man booth, and uh, I thought Juice was excellent. Kevin Kelly quickly. He's getting so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was like, oh, I'm sorry, we're so stupid. It was callous on the final. Oh, night, uh, yeah, okay. I, I wasn't sure oh, you were talking about the final. Oh, yeah, yeah, Don Callis. Yeah, it was Cal. It was Don Callis, Kevin Kelly, and Juice Robinson. But anyway, uh, and Callis is tremendous. I mean, Callis has that whole, you know, um, I've said this before, but he's kind of has the Jesse Ventura vibe, where even though he's doing heel commentary, he peppers in enough credibility to where you can take him seriously. Right? What he's saying isn't false. It's just like he's kind of being an asshole about it, you, you know, in that sort of yeah. sense, where it's like Kelly is trying to look on the bright side of stuff, and Cal's is like, "Well, I don't know why that's not a DQ. Like that should be a DQ, right?" And it's like, "Well, okay, Don, I maybe it should, but like, da da da." So that, yeah, that's exactly what Jesse would do. You know, hey, 
well, the Bayface is cheating and you don't care. Well, that guy's cheating and you don't care about that. But if this guy did it, you would be in an uproar or whatever. And it's like, oh, Jesse, stop it. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. and Kelly's, you know, kind of playing that up too of like, oh, come on, Don. Like, what are you doing? Like, figure it like it. But yeah, Don's just being the straight man. And, 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 and sometimes that's bad. Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes you yeah. get a heel by being the straight man and just being like, hey, look, this is what I think. This is what's happening. I'm telling you this. You know this. It should be correct. But that, that sometimes works. The, the, the straight man sometimes can be the heel in, in, in crossing announcing. So, and they have good chemistry. And I think, I think an important part of being a heel commentator is saying good things about the baby faces sometimes because it gives you that, like Ventura would do that from time to time. He'd say, you know, wow, you know, killer bees, you know, they look great here. Whatever you say. I don't, I don't like them, but I know that they're great. Or I, I, you know, I don't, I don't really agree with what they say, but I can't, I got to admit they're great wrestlers or whatever. That was always Jesse. Always say that. Bobby Heenan is the same way too. Like, you know, I don't like the guy. I think he's a, you know, a piece of crap, but you know, he can wrestle. So even little things where Ventura would just say, Oh, that was a tremendous move. Like even those little things that you say positive about the baby faces, I think help you as a heel. If you're just a hundred percent heel commentator, you eventually become a parody. And it's just, it, it doesn't work as well to me. Right. And Callis knows what he's doing. He does a good job. But Kevin Kelly is getting so good at this because when he first started, you can tell that he was playing catch up with the storylines. He was playing catch up with New Japan as a whole. He was doing one show every four months. Now he's doing every fucking show. He's in tune with the nuances of the storylines and he's conveying the right things where at the beginning, you could tell he was guessing sometimes at what the motivations were of the wrestlers, of what the storylines themselves were. But now he's in tune with everything and he gets it. I think no longer being with ROH helps. Remember, he was splitting his time in the beginning. He is 100% focused on New Japan, and he's doing more shows and seeing all of the matches. Because to really get fully ingrained in what's going on in the company, you have to watch all of those dopey multi-man tags. Because that's where all the, 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 the meat happens of the meat of these feuds and the directions that they're going. And he's getting so good at that. And um, I, you know, I, I think he's, he's developed into one of the better play-by-play men in the business now with the work he's doing in new Japan. And I think when we hear Jim Ross on Sunday, if he's anything like he was on the last new Japan and USA show, I forgot that Jim Ross is God damn it. You know, and I get why they employ him. It made me very deprived. But yeah, people are going to watch because it's Jim Ross. I get it. It, It's been, it's actually been like a, you know, I have a few friends that watch because they heard that Jim Ross was doing commentary. Like many, many years ago when, when, when he was doing access, it was like, Oh, I heard that Jim Ross is doing like new Japan stuff. And I was like, you know, begrudging, like, yeah, yeah, he is. It's, it's uh, Josh Barnett's great. Like, I would always, I'd never say anything about Jared because I don't want to, you know, shit on them uh, or, you know, rain on the parade or whatever. But I'm always like, yeah, Jared's fine. But like, Josh Barnett's very good. Like, listen to him because he's, you know, because Josh is usually, but he was terrible on the last live show too. So I, I'm a little worried of what these both guys are both going to do. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, Kelly, by all rights, should be doing those shows, but I get it. Um, and I guess that's a good segue because um, that's our next topic. Joe, I got some breaking news here on the podcast. We have just been followed by uh, Sean Mooney. Primetime with Sean Mooney, the podcast. Wow. Now followed That's big so time. That's, that's huge. That's huge. That is big time. Followed by, by the Sean biggest, Mooney. <laughs> followed by the But the person that's handling the social media account for Sean Mooney's podcast followed us. So, man, we're cruising. Yes. <laughs> we have arrived, Joe. All right. Just wanted to let that uh, let everybody know about that. Definitely bragging a lot about the Sean Mooney uh, social media manager uh, following us on Twitter. Listen, yeah. pal, let me know when Craig DeGeorge gives us a follow. <laughs> right. okay. When Mike McGurk <laughs> drops that follow, we'll talk. When Todd Pettengill comes to town. Ooh, I wonder. Well, he's doing like – he does like shitty morning radio now, right? Oh, Here. he does. I mean, that was him by trade. I mean, it was uh, Todd Pettengill and, Sh- and Scott Shannon. 
anyone from the New York, New Jersey area knows exactly what I'm talking about. The Scott Shannon show for years on WPLJ. It was like one of these horrible morning zoo shows. And Todd Pettengill started off as like his lackey. Then he became his partner. And then Todd Pettengill stabbed Scott Shannon in the back. New York radio legend Scott Shannon. And, uh, and kind of took over, you know, the show on his own on WPLJ as the morning guy. And, of course, you know, the ratings tanked, um, you know, because Scott Shannon was the draw. And uh, I don't know that Todd even still has that gig. I'd have to look. Uh, he at does. That. No, I, I just I'm, I'm looking right, up. As you said. He's, the, uh, he's still at WPLJ 95.5. So there you go. Yeah. He, he, is, it, he, is it exactly what I would expect a Todd Pentland morning show? Like they like fake callers and like, oh, hey, you just want a car. Like it I is know. everything like, you think it is right. and a thousand times worse. God. Oh, it sounds terrible. He still does phony phone calls. Oh, I swear God. Really? In 2018? Really? And he, he not only does phony oh. phone calls. Listen, listen, he not only does phony phone calls, Rich, it gets better. He not only does phony phone calls, but because of all the new laws and stuff, he does phony, phony phone calls. So he does phony phone calls, which are actually fake and scripted. And then at the end of the unfunny, phony, phony phone call, they read the disclaimer that what you heard was not an actual phony phone call. (laughs) Yeah. For people that don't know, for for Joe, that's kind of an inside radio thing is that the FCC a few years ago, passed the thing where you couldn't do the prank phone call thing anymore. Right. You had to, the person on the other line has to know that you are who you are and you're calling from this radio station and all that sort of stuff. So it kind of lost that game of like, oh, hey, like I'm a, uh, you lost your uh, wife died. And it's like, what, really? Like, no, no we're just joking. Like, okay, that, yeah, really wasn't that funny. Yeah. Like, that was kind of a dick move. So you can't do that anymore. And actually, like, there was a Chicago radio host that uh, he moved to Atlanta and he got fired for that. They called like a Mexican store or a Mexican restaurant and 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 talked about something and, and he got fired for it because it was like no you cannot do that like, it was like some mindless bit it wasn't even that funny it was just like this thing that he just kind of did but by not disclosing who he was that was you know a fireable offense so yeah you have to disclaim to the people who you are so what now what some radio stations do because they're devoid of any possible original ideas is they fake prank calls yes and then read a disclaimer about them but just come up with a different bit <laughs> like jesus yes. So uh, it's so bad. Like you just got phone scammed, yeah. and then all of the goofballs in, in the morning zoo laugh uproariously at this <laughs> totally unfunny phone call. And then they tell you that it was fake. What you just heard was not an actual phone call, but like the guy that talks a million miles per hour. Yeah, right, right, the disclaimer. Right. Why <laughs> are there really people in their cars sitting in rush hour traffic who are smiling ear to hear hearing this bullshit? There can't be, right? Isn't that why the the ratings of these shows are just in the fucking tank? I mean, how can anyone think that that shit is funny? But here we are, Todd Pentengill, and he's probably still drawing a very sizable page. Oh, I would bet. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. To do this shit, it, it, it's amazing. But Scott Shannon, uh, who's been on New York radio probably since the fucking 70s, uh, I think moved on to another station, and I think the whole irony in it, and I I don't remember the whole story, is that whatever like little low powered station he ended up on or something, he ended up beating Pentengill in one of the ratings. Wow! Boxes. All right, I didn't know there was. I didn't. I thank you for inviting so, me in this Todd Pentengill radio wars. I didn't know that those. Uh, so apparently, as of right now, um, uh, it's January 2016. Pentengill is hosting Todd and Jade along with Jade Donovan from Sacramento. I don't know yes, who that is. Because so. the Todd show, it was the Todd show. Yeah, the Todd show was the morning. Yeah, it was the Pentengill in, in 2014 uh, is when he, like you said, he stabbed Shannon in the back. This is all, I'm, I'm getting this Wikipedia and, and, and sort of yeah. your thing. And then it started the Todd show. And then two years later, 
uh, the Todd and Jade show. Because the Todd show was failing miserably. So they had to go out and add another dynamic to it. So they went and found this woman, I guess, to I guess she was supposedly charismatic or whatever. And they added her to the mix. And I don't even know, is it, on, is it still on in the morning? I don't know if they moved them to afternoons or midday or whatever the fuck. But the, the Todd show itself was a massive failure. So, which he deserves because, you know, everybody knows he screwed over Scott Shannon. <laughs> Todd so. Pettengill, there you go. More than you ever wanted to know about Todd Pettengill's post-WF career. All right. Strong style evolved, Joe. This uh, should be a pretty quick preview because we got three matches here. We got Kenny Omega and Kota Bushi versus the Young Bucks. We have an IWGP United States Championship match. Jay White defending his title against Hangman Page. And then we have a match that I guess is still happening. Jushin Thunder Liger versus Rey Mysterio. And then we're all going home. And that's then that's all we're it. Doing. Yep. Three matches. Yep. Uh, I'm that's sure the, the, the Omega Bushi will be an hour and a half. Uh, Liger and Mysterio definitely going 45. And then Jay White and Hangman, I mean, they're going Broadway, I guess. I need to finish close this thing out. And then, yeah, we're good. Yeah. I mean, I have no problem with any of these matches. but um, and, and I guess part of it was they were waiting for the New Japan Cup Tour to finish up because there's probably going to be matches announced. Like Juice versus Gotofer is a good example. You know, um, maybe that was always on, uh, you know, planned, but you couldn't announce it until Juice scored that fall. So there could be a lot of that in play. But, you know, I think some of it, too, if this show didn't sell out instantly, maybe they would have put more effort into promoting the rest of the show or dropping some hints or something, announcing names for the show, something. But when you sell every ticket in 20 minutes, you're giving the promoter what, what effort does the promoter need to put in at that point? A lot less than they would have to if they sold a thousand tickets and they had four thousand tickets to sell. If right, they they're gonna they're gonna announce matches and get you in that building and and, and drive you to the site if if there's a thousand tickets sold and they need to get the you know that that's just they're not gonna wait. Well, it's still the New Japan Cup, guys. Whatever, whatever. If they need to sell fucking tickets, hey, look, here's this match. Here's this. Yeah, you can have Goto and and, and and Juice not in a match or having a tag match and move them off that or whatever. But you're promoting something to get people to the door. You're at least giving names something. And and this was a a thing that we used to hit hard years ago on this show. We call it blind tickets. You're buying a blind ticket. You're giving the promoter less reason to put forth their best foot possible. And we got a lot of promoters got mad at us. Gabe Sapolsky was so pissed off at us. And he was going to come on the show and debate us. And it just didn't happen for whatever reason. I don't even remember anymore. Um, but a lot of people and promoters were upset with us. But I still Stanley firm. Stan- I think it's just human nature. You don't have to try as hard when the tickets are already sold. And maybe if you're a promoter, and all of your tickets sell out that quickly, you could say to yourself, now, wait a minute, I had this big match I was going to do, but I could hold off. Why the fuck would I burn it now? I already sold the tickets. And I'm not saying that promoters don't have to try at all. You still have to put on an entertaining show and give people their money's worth and all those. Right, you have to build a cash day to get to that point as well. You have to build to the point where people can yeah. say, hey, look, I'm just going to buy a ticket because this company has, has has earned that trust. And I don't think we're saying that that necessarily that New Japan is going to come out here and, and and run a really shitty show. But we're just saying that people that are are kind of perplexed by, you know, the, the lack of matches and, and the fact that this preview is, is done. We, you know, we've done it or whatever already is just because they don't really need to do that. And that's not to say that the match is going to be good, that you're not going to get your money's worth. But this is th- th- kind of what happens when the tickets sell out right away. It's like, all right, well, we'll figure it out the day of or, you know, figure it out two days before. I have to bust our ass to get a bunch of match graphics out there and a bunch of stuff all settled. We can just, you know, take our time with it. We got what we need. We'll build up our few matches and then, yeah, we'll see wherever anybody else falls. It's not really specifically a New Japan discussion or a strong style evolved discussion, but 
if they needed to push tickets, if they had 2,500 tickets to sell, maybe Jericho Naito ends up on this show. Um, maybe because it sold out instantly, they said, oh, shit, you know, we could do Jericho Naito in the Cow Palace. Or we could run a bigger building and do that. You don't know. But all I'm saying is, is you give these promoters a lot of fucking license to fuck around when you're just buying their tickets. Now the effort just does not have to be the same when the tickets are already sold. Yeah, and it's not necessarily like a devious thing, I think what you're saying. Sometimes it's subconscious. It's like, all right, look, we're going to do Jericho Naito. Ah, you know what? Let's hold it off. Like, you, yes. wouldn't, say, you wouldn't say let's hold it off if you needed to sell 3,000 tickets. That's right. You know, and, I, and that's always been my argument. Like, everyone thinks I'm saying that these promoters are just being evil. They're, They're not sitting there. the money with a bag yes. that was a dollar sign on it. Going, While ah, they curl ah, their mustache. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's just human nature. And it's, quite honestly, it's good business. You know, there's no reason to put your strong. Why would New Japan put on their best fucking possible card when the tickets are already sold? That's all I'm saying. It wouldn't make any business sense to do it. It's just human nature anyway. But anyway, so we only have three matches. I mean, we could start taking guesses. Will Killer Elite Squad challenge for the tag titles? Maybe. Will Juice challenge uh, Goto here? Maybe. What are they going to do with Okada here? I have no fucking clue. What are they going to do with Tanahashi here? I have no fucking clue. So we'll see. Maybe between the time that we record this and people listen to it, they'll we'll have announced some stuff. I have a feeling that tonight we're recording this on a Wednesday, the 21st. New Japan is going to announce some things because the New Japan Cup tour is over. So some chips have fall have fallen and, and some things have fallen into place. And we know what directions they can go in with some people now. So we'll see what happens there. But it's this Sunday. It's airing live on Axis. Um, I don't know if we want to announce, let's not announce what you think that I'm going to announce, but we might be, there might be something going on with the site right. on that night as well. Yes, correct. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for that. Um, life happens, so we can't say for sure, but we're going to try to do something. Yeah. It's going to be a <laughs> wacky couple of weeks for this show in particular. Um, we don't know what's going on next week. I, I, you know, joked about it in the beginning of the show, but um, Brittany legitimately is having um, breast augmentation surgery uh, next week on Wednesday. And we normally record on Wednesday or Thursday. I have to take care of my fiance physically um, next week. I don't think I'm going to be able to do a show. Um, we do not have a sponsor. There may not be a weekly flagship next week. That's not set in stone either, though. Have we decided? Fi- I don't know what's going we on. We haven't officially there. decided. That. We'll, we'll figure out what it is. But you'll get more than paid up uh, the week after that, though, because I think you're going to get, given how the first few have went, you're going to get a very, very long WrestleMania preview show. We've got WrestleMania preview. How much can we announce about that? You uh, want to take the lead on that before yeah, I say something stupid? We're going to do very similar to what we did last year. We're going to do... Uh, Um, I'm going to interview a number of different people uh, that are either going to shows or passionate about shows or whatever. We're going to do a giant collection of of the voice wrestling staff preview. So, you know, I already did um, Joey Janela's Spring Break with Michael Spears, who did it last year. I talked about uh, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor with with, with John Carroll and Sean Cedar or whatever. So we're going to put that all together in one massive preview. I'm going to detail the schedule. And then I'm going to go one by one with those segments where we'll talk about, you know, one show or various shows or whatever in a pocket like the I'm going to get the Everything Evolves crew and they're going to talk about the Evolve and, and, and WWN weekend. Like it's going to be a good thing. It's going to involve a lot of the staff members at the site, a lot of people at the site. So you hear a lot of different voices. But uh, given how the recordings have already gone, that's going to be a massive. It, last year was two parts. It might be three parts this year, <laughs> given how things are going. So you're going to get a massive preview. And that's going to be up uh, either Monday or Tuesday 
of WrestleMania week. So you'll be all set. You can listen to that uh, as you go for a minute because there's no reason for us to do a podcast on Thursday. For God's sakes, there's already shows going on on Thursday. You'll already be in New Orleans at that point. So there's no reason for us to do that. And half our right. sites will be gone and whatnot. So yeah, we'll, we might not have a show next week. We'll see how that goes. But early the week after, you'll get your massive WrestleMania preview podcast. That is definitely 100% right. happening. So There's a good chance there won't be a a you know, our usual traditional flagship show for about three weeks. Right. Cause then I'm gone uh, the next week after. <laughs> so that's a good point too. So I, yeah, it's going to be a wacky couple of weeks, but um not going to leave people high and dry. There's going to be plenty of content. It's just going to be different kinds of content. Um, there's some subscriber stuff in the works. Like I said, possibly this weekend we might be doing something, maybe not, who knows? I've got some things cooking. I've been discussing with rich uh, that I can do on my own. Uh, we'll see. Um, but it's going to get a little crazy after this. Just follow the Twitter feed and uh, we'll keep everybody up to date on what we're doing as far as audio wise. And all this stuff is happening right around WrestleMania weekend, which isn't ideal, but I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Um, stuff happens, life happens. And again, half the site's going to be in New Orleans, including me, which um, you have anything else on strong style evolve? Uh, not really. I think, uh, yeah, obviously there's the matches. I mean, <laughs> Omega Nabushi versus the young bucks. I feel bad that we're not given a ton of, of pub to that, but I mean, that's going to be pretty spectacular and it's going to be pretty cool. And a lot of storyline uh, stuff will be advanced in that match. Yeah, exactly. And, and white Heyman page is a big moment for, for Heyman page. And, and again, another big moment for Jay white as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And like Mysterio, I have no expectations. I have no idea what to think. Cause I don't know how Mysterio's health is. I'm sure he's going to show yes. up. I'm sure he's going to be there, but is he going to be hundred percent? I, I don't know that he possibly could be. So that's an issue for for a guy that's already sort of always battling injury issues, but uh, more than anything, I mean, of course, the, as you said, it's going to be live on access, and 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 you can be able to watch, you know, Jim Ross and, and Josh Barnett or whatever. I'm sure the presentation is going to be good. I know the crowd is going to be pretty good. The thing that I'm, I, I really briefly wanted to talk about is I don't know if you checked it out, and, and again, like this is as we're recording this on a Wednesday, but if you go to StubHub, there are a shit ton of tickets left for the show. Do you buy? Is there anything that you read into that? Is that people putting their own tickets on there and hoping that someone's going to get them? Is that all secondary market? Is it just people sort of biding their time waiting for something else? What 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 do you make of that? Because there are quite a lot on there. I think there's still. I think someone estimated. I tried to get an exact estimate. I don't know if anybody got it, but there's like nearly a thousand tickets still kind of floating up on there. I don't know. I don't have a good feel for what's going on. I don't know if it's scalpers. Um, I have to see what they sell for. I think that's the important thing. How much those tickets end up going for? Um, if they do end up being sold and they're sold for, you know, double face value or whatever, then, um, you know, that speaks to it being a hot ticket. Now, if they're getting unloaded the day of the show for pennies on the dollar, uh, then that tells a completely different story. I have to know what they're sold. Cause this is not unusual if it's scalpers that bought them up. That's what scalpers do. And last year, this proved to scalpers that it was a hot ticket. So they were going to buy them up this year, but, um, you know, I, I I don't know. I have to see what they sell for first. So uh, it's 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 hard to say. It's interesting um, if you look if because like some of them lets you look at the different sections. So in the upper deck, you got. Uh, I'm just gonna kind of read off the sections in, in yeah. row. So you got 21 tickets in 101, uh, 23, 17, 31, and I'm scrolling over to different sections. So these are how the amount of tickets available in each of these sections. I'm I'm doing the upper deck first. Uh, 26, 7, 42, 37, 11, 9, 13. 36, 14, 5, 15, 17. As far as ringside, you got 34, 3, and 10. Lowest price is $92 right now. So those are about face value still. I think so. Yeah, I forgot what they were going for exactly, but Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a good I don't have a good take on this. 
What a terrible radio host I am. <laughs> I, I, I have nothing to say on this. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, it's well, and, and I didn't expect you to have it. It's, it's, we're going to have to see what happens. Like if the yeah. show happens and half the seats are, you know what I mean? Like the, the empty crowd, you know, the whole upper deck, there's there's people moving around so they can kind of fill things up. Then we'll say, okay, look, the scalpers bought up all the tickets, thought that people were going to buy them. And there wasn't that much demand or whatever. And that'll be, you know, kind of a discussion point. Or people are just kind of buying their time and waiting for the last minute. And then they're going to buy them. You know, am I going to be around? Am I going to do it? It'll be interesting to see. And again, like it's it's kind of a plight of you know the stuff hubs in the secondary market. It's it's an issue with everything. Anybody that goes to sporting events, anybody that goes to concerts knows that you deal with this a lot. And there's a lot of times where I've been to shows that are supposedly sold out, and like half the crowd's not there because half the tickets are sitting there on StubHub for a hundred dollars the day before. So it's 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 very interesting how they do that. And I hope that that if that is the case, that New Japan does find a way in, in the future to to make sure that fans that really do want these tickets that maybe don't want to spend ninety bucks or whatever. Uh, can get an option because I don't remember what the tickets were on face. I don't remember if the upper deck was like 90 bucks or whatever. I, I doubt it though. That seems a little, a little high, but uh, yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, who knows? We won't know until the day of, we won't know until that they pan the crowd and we can see what it really looks like to know, you know, whether this, who controlled the tickets and who controlled the market and whether the market was, was what it was or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's just, I, I definitely thought kind of interesting. So at least we'll, uh, um, discuss that all right you said that you're going to be in new orleans and a lot of the staff's going to be in new orleans joe it is time because we don't know when we're going to have another show proper people have been asking for it they've been clamoring for it they've been salivating for it joe we are ready to give joe lanza's path of greatness and this is one of the years where i'm actually going on that path to greatness so it's not like i'm telling you what to do i'm putting my money where my mouth is and i'm actually going yeah, it's one thing for us to sit around here and, you know, you know, hey, this is what go you to Bloodsport, go to this, go to that, do this, whatever. But no, this is Joe's actual schedule. Right. So if you're that white trash guy and you want to come take a piss on me, you're going to know right where I'm going to be. <laughs> so there you go. At our live stage show on Thursday, uh, April 5th. At, and I'm not going to be there. So I'm sure Joe may be in his hotel room. If you'll, you know, don't go to Joe's hotel room. I don't think that's even. Well, I'm not going to tell you what hotel I'm in because I don't want <laughs> yeah, to. Don't do that. Don't, stay away from that. You know, Maybe, you know. If, if you want to piss on me, I want witnesses and all those sorts of things. And um, I don't want you to come kill me. But um, what we're going to do in this awkward segment. <laughs> How do we transition from piss on you to Joe's legitimate schedule for WrestleMania weekend? But yeah, go ahead. Rich is going to run down what shows are happening when. You'll see what's head to head. And I'm going to tell you what I have chosen. And I have a full docket of shows that I'm attending. I, I haven't even counted the number of shows I'm going to. Let's see. I'm going to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And then two. I'm going to maybe as many as 12 shows, but probably Shit. about 10. Wow. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We'll start Thursday, April 5th. Kicks off with Matt Riddle's Bloodsport. Standalone show, 3 p.m. I am going to Matt there Riddle's Bloodsport. How can I not go to Matt Riddle's Bloodsport? I mean, no ropes, wacky matchups. Did you see the card for this show? It's incredible. Rich? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Unfortunately, Masada is going to be there. I don't know if you saw as we recording this, they announced Masada for that show. So Here's I don't know pro- if that's going to hurt or help. But he, you know, oddly enough, I'm more offended by Kyle the Beast being on the show <laughs> than I am uh, Masada. But, um, but yeah, I am doing the Matt, Bl- the Matt Riddle's Bloodsport. I don't see any reason not to. It's a standalone show. What else are you going to do Thursday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? And um, so, yeah, that's going to kick off my weekend. I will be at the Bloodsport. What do we got next? All right, so you got Bloodsport. Uh, at 6 p.m., you got Wildcat Entertainment. I have no idea what's going on for that show yet. I don't know if we have a card or anything. We on have Wildcat a full Entertainment. Card. 
We have a full card for Wildcat Entertainment. Holy There's shit! A okay, full card for the Wildcat. Oh, show. I do remember this thing. This is this is a thing. Are you going to Wildcat Entertainment? No. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to see Jay Spade versus Billy Gunn versus Bob Holly versus Stevie Richards. You know, as tempting as that was, <laughs> you know, I'm going to skip Dixon versus Johnny Flex for the Wildcat Revolution title. That's uh, that's Luke Hawk's local promotion. Um, I, I give him a lot of credit for running. He's going head to head with Ax- WWE Access, Wale Mania, and um, I guess Evolve 102, which starts two hours later. So you can't really go to Wildcat and Evolve unless you go to Wildcat and leave early. Um, I and will be attending. Event. Then you'll miss Bob Holly, Billy Gunn, and Stevie Richards. So you don't want to do that. That that's a true fact. I will be attending Wally Mania. Um, wrong. Oh, Evolve 102. Oh, okay. As people, longtime listeners know, I go to WrestleMania weekend to see wrestling. I don't go to WrestleMania weekend to get a bunch of hokey autographs. I don't go to WrestleMania weekend to take Polaroid pictures. Do people still take Polaroid pictures? <laughs> Actually, they, they made a roof comeback. Yeah. The Insta, the Insta. Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're back a little bit. Yeah. I remember taking dirty Polaroids with girlfriends, like when I was like 18, you know, before like phones had cameras. We still had beepers and shit. Like, we used to take Polaroid. There's nothing to kill a boner like, hey, let's take a sexy picture. Okay, let me get the Polaroid. And you take it. And then you're, like, shaking the fucking picture. And you're, like, just stay there. Don't move. I want to <laughs> see the picture. For-. And you're waiting for the fucking Polaroid to load, you know, to fucking come into focus. You're, like, wait, I could see. Well, it would be worse if you had another thing and you had to get the film developed. You're, like, hey, wait right here. I'll be back in a week. And see <laughs> you're kind of yellowish and green, but it's coming through. Hold yeah. on. Still, don't move. Don't I move. think those are the nipples. This is good. Okay. Like, yeah. Man, this is this. Wait. Nope. Nope. This picture wasn't nearly as sexy. Let's take another one. This one didn't really work. You know, now you can take a picture and instantly know if it's a shitty picture and just right. delete the fucking thing. And then it'll be all, all over the internet in two hours. Yeah, if you so. took a bad Polaroid, you had to wait and shake that fucker out, then see that it was bad, and then say, oh, no, you got to pose for another. By then, you don't even want to fuck anymore. You know what That's I mean? That's a lot of work. Yeah, what are you doing? Just just get down to the business. Let's. So let's I don't take picture. Polaroids. I don't fucking go for hokey autographs. I don't go to fucking whatever the fuck Wally Mania is. You couldn't catch me dead in access with the fucking with the replica belt crowd. Okay, I'm not hanging out with the replica belt geeks. I can't do it. I go to WrestleMania weekend to see wrestling. So no, I will not be going to Wally Mania or Access. I will be going to Evolve 102, and I will be there with the communist Aaron's. So I hope they're ready. <laughs> uh, I know that you're going to have to duck out of Evolve 102 early because an evening with Paul Heyman is going on at 930. Not a fucking chance. Okay. You're not doing the evening with Paul Heyman either. You, nope. you said you don't take Polaroids. You also don't listen to guys talk about the Attitude Era, apparently. Not a chance. Okay. Uh, WrestleCon Super Show, also 930, also head to head with an evening with Paul Heyman an hour and a half after Evolve 102. Are you making a tough decision here? Are you going to try to do both? What's the story on WrestleCon Super Show for you? Joe Lanza does not leave shows early. I'm going to Evolve 102, and I am not going to the WrestleCon Super Show. I'm going to tell you the, uh, the, the, uh, why I've made this decision. I've been to the WrestleCon Super Show before. It's a fun party atmosphere. It's a lot of fun, but it's a little too goofy for my taste. A lot of comedy. Yeah, uh, the, the, the cards context. tend to be a little bit better. The entrances, the card, and the names tend to be better than the actual show itself. It's all- it's, now, it's fun, and people have a blast, and it sells a billion tickets. I've been the one. I had my fill. I'd rather go to Evolve 102. I'm into Evolve. I'm into the company. So my Thursday. Well, I guess there's one more. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to guess I know the answer on this one, but I do want to just clarify uh, because it's running on a pose at 11.55, a little midnight show, Beyond Wrestling. I wouldn't go to that Beyond show if they paid me. It is awful. It is a gimmick. Matt Riddle, Deanna Perazu, Timothy Thatcher, Tony Storm, Joey Janela, Penelope Ford versus Darby Allen and Priscilla Kelly. Mia Yim, David Starr. This sounds like your hell. <laughs> it's an intergender show, and it's total fucking shit. And it's running unopposed. They're begging. It's like, I want to go to these shows. And even though it's unopposed, I'm not going to this shit. I'm not going to sit there and watch shitty intergender wrestling at 2 o'clock in the morning. This show's a joke. It's the worst show of the weekend. And it sucks because it's running unopposed. You know, I really wish something else was in that spot so I can go see some decent wrestling. But unfortunately, I cannot. So maybe that's when I take Alan and Sarah to dinner after Evolve. I'll have to find out if they're going to Evolve. Maybe that's a good spot for that. Um, I do have an open spot, a couple open spots coming up over the next couple of days, too, that we're going to get to. But my itinerary for Thursday is Matt Riddle's Blood Sport at 3 p.m., Evolve 102 at 8 o'clock, and that's it. It's all I'm doing on Thursday. I'm the getting dinner, into town on Dinner Wednesday. and hanging. Dinner and hanging and taking into town a little bit. Yeah. Because getting into town on Wednesday, meet up with some people, maybe. Who knows? They're gonna be a, I'm driving, so it's an eight hour drive. I might want to just go to bed. And then Thursday, Matt Riddle's Blood Sport, three o'clock, Evolve 102, eight o'clock. All right, Friday, Rich, take us through it. All right. I'm great that you that was a perfect segue because at 9:30 a.m. Joe, Friday, April 6th, Wrestling Observer Live Mailbag with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. Joe, take it no away. Shot. Okay. No shot. <laughs> Imagine waking up at nine o'clock in the morning to go sit there. I mean, come on now. Oh god, dude, Dave, just ramble incessantly about. You know what's gonna <laughs> suck though? Here's what's gonna suck. One day, we're gonna be big enough to do something like this, I know. and we're gonna have to be hypocrites. And tell people, Joe, but I think we would be better than Dave and Brian live at 9.30 a.m. A, we're not doing our shit at 9.30 a.m. I can promise you that. No shot. (laughs) That is not happening. Not that I'm a morning person. I'm willing to do it. But, like, I don't know that we're best at at, at the late afternoon, early evening, maybe even late evening. We might be the 11.55. We should. You know what, Joe? Fuck the might. I'm I'm not leaving until the next morning. And I'll be halfway to the West Coast anyway. 11.55, you and I live show up against Beyond. Yeah, we should run head to head with that fucking awful Beyond show and beat it. I'll tell the nurse to take her own plane. I'll meet her in California whenever she can take her because we're not leaving until Friday noon. I'll be halfway there. I don't know if that's actually true. Who the fuck fuck wants to see Matt Riddle wrestle Deanna (laughs) Perrazzo besides the perverts? I mean, really, who wants to see that unless you're a fucking pervert? I mean, it's just shit. I can't suspend disbelief for that. It's, it's just like what, what sucks is there's a lot of good names on that too, and it's just like it's just shit. Like yeah, if you why don't, if why don't you give me Deanna Perazzo versus Mia Yim? Like yeah, or Deanna Perazzo versus Tony Storm. I'm into that, and then yeah. Matt Riddle versus David Starr. Okay, I'm in. Like, yeah, that's and already, I got my money. You give me those two matches. Times better you got my fucking yeah. money. Right. That's you just did it. You just booked an exponentially better show. I would love to see Matt Riddle, David Starr, and Deanna Perazzo versus Tony Storm. You fucking nailed it. I'd be at that fucking show. Timothy Thatcher versus Tony Storm. I mean, come on. It's so gimmicky. Oh, it's garbage. It's absolute fucking garbage. Oh, that sounds like a terrible And I movie. like the guy. I like him. But this, but his show is fucking shit. 
it's different for the sake of being different. And it's actually, it's just, you know, and on this weekend, I don't, well, I will see what happens, but I, yeah, that's, you know, maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's so different. It'll do well. I just, it's not for me. It's fucking trash. Uh, what's right, not what fucking we... trash Friday, April 6th, 10 a.m. Slobberknocker sessions with Jim Ross. I know. Just fucking <laughs> okay. Friday, April 6th at 12 p.m. Progress. Now we've got some comp. Now what? Now we got some head to head decisions. Right, because they're up against the crash is also running at 12 p.m. So, Joe, what are you making the decision here? You got progress. You got the crash. Where are you going? Joe Lanza is going to the crash at 12 o'clock on Friday. That will be my first show on Friday. Um, the reason I'm doing that is. I've only got one shot to see the crash. I've got two shots to see progress. So, and the other thing about it was there's two other reasons. Number number two, when promotions have two shows on a weekend like this, generally the second one is better because they set shit up on the first one. So I'm banking on the second progress show being better than the first. The other thing is the crash booked Flamita versus uh, Phoenix versus Ray Phoenix. Now they added Rich Swan to the match at some point. And that annoyed me, but it looks like Rich Swan has canceled all of his bookings. I think so. I think so. I think that's what's out right now. I don't know that he's. I, I don't know that I've seen anything change on that. So yeah, apparently he's out. I guess I, it's been weird with with the Swan thing. I, I don't know. So I'm going to the crash, man. Because if I don't go to the crash, what's my other opportunity to see the crash right. ever? And there's a lot of wrestlers on the crash that I've never seen before. A lot of lucha guys and things like that. So I to me. With progress having another show, the decision was pretty easy. So I will be at the crash for my first show on Friday. There's some pretty cool stuff in there too. Austin Aries versus uh, Penta L Zero, uh, as you said, Phoenix versus Flamita, a lot of other good stuff too. Flip Gordon's on that show too, which means lots of flips. And yeah, it, it looks like a pretty fun one too. I would absolutely 100 percent go to that show if I was. If so that, you would make the same decision? Oh, I would. Yeah, 100 percent. Because okay, hey, like that's said, interesting. There's Let's another go back. option for progress. Yeah, yeah. No, if we go back, like Bloodsport for sure, unopposed, no doubt you would do that. You would be um, there. Yeah, Evolve, I would 100% go to as well. So, no, I'm, I'm about the same as you. I no chance in hell you're catching me at Beyond. And I'm not going – you know, I'm going to Dave and Brian. I'm waking up with my my, my coffee and seeing what a fucking train wreck Dave and, and Brian's live show is. But uh, And then I'm meeting you for the crash at, at noon for sure. Okay. So, we're at, we we would have a similar path here. We'd be at yeah. all the fucking I'm up a little shows. earlier uh, with my coffee watching uh, Dave and Brian. I get up at like 7 o'clock anyway, no matter what time of day I go to sleep. So we got um, more head-to-head madness coming up in the next block. What do we got? We do. So, Friday, April 6th. So, now uh, – so, you've had the progress and you crashed. That's at 12. Thankfully, you got a lot of time until the next show, so you can watch those shows without having to worry about leave earlier or go anywhere. You got 103, uh, Evolve 103 at 4 p.m. on Friday, April 6th, uh, going up against Rev Pro, which is also running at 4 p.m. Friday, April 6th. Joe, are you choosing Evolve, doing the double dip of Evolve, or are you bouncing and going to Rev Pro? Well, since I'm going to Evolve 102, I'm going to go to Rev Pro. And this will also be my opportunity to see a lot of the British wrestlers that maybe I won't see at progress. I think there might be a little bit of overlap there. Plus, Rev Pro has a lot of New Japan guys are going to be on the show. You got Saber versus Ishii. You got Tanahashi on there. You got, yeah, it's it's a fucking great card. Easy decision because I'm seeing Evolve the day before, right? Now, I wasn't going to miss Dice K Sekimoto. I I feel like I'm not getting the better of Dice K Sekimoto. Uh, You know, but look, you can't, you got to make hard decisions. And this was a hard. This was one of the hardest decisions. Yeah, of the that, this is one that I don't know that I could even make. Like I, I'd have a real tough time because I like seeing, like you said, seeing the entire weekend through with a, a, a company. Like knowing that Evolve, especially Gabe and, and Evolve, whatever happens at 102, the first show you go to is all going to build towards 103, and it's going to make 103 mean a little bit more. But Saber and Ishii, and like Tanahashi and Juice, and like 
ah, the rev pro is so good. I would have to make the same decision. I would just have to. But then at eight o'clock, the next block, see, this has kind of helped my decision to go to rev pro. The competition is WWE hall of fame, WWN super show and uh, impact wrestling versus Lucha underground. So, what I decided to do in this block was go to the WWN Super Show. Okay. So then it's like, okay, I'm missing the middle show, Evolve 103. You know what I mean? Because they're going to do a lot of stuff on the Super Show. Right, and you're getting Keith Lee and Sakamoto, which is awesome. You're getting Saber versus yeah. Sawa, which is awesome. Like, there's a lot of good stuff on that Super Show. I like the Super Show a lot more than almost any of the other Evolve shows that weekend. Yeah. So I don't blame you for doing that, too. The problem for me is I really like that Impact Lucha Underground card. That card is great! Yeah, but, like, so you're getting a little bit of that with the Crash, but still, that card's fucking rocks. Like, yeah. So you're right, though. It's a little, it's similar to the Crash. So I'm going to see a lot of those guys I would have seen on that show at the crash. They didn't announce the main event officially. We knew about it uh, a few days before, but it was Austin Aries and um, shit. Oh, it's uh, Alberto El Patron and Pentagon versus Austin Aries and Phoenix, right? That's the main event. Uh, correct, yeah. yeah. And then Sam McCall and Eddie Edwards, I quit match as well. So there's a lot of good stuff on that. There's a fun little show. Right. I think that's going to be the best show of the weekend that gets zero hype because it's going up against Hall of Fame and the WWN Super Show. So it's like got third billing in its own time slot, plus its impact, which has a stigma. But man, I bet you that's going to be a kick-ass show. Yeah. That's a tough decision, man. I don't know. But that, that the Super Show is great, too. I want to go to both. Like, I, WWN on. Super Show has too many great matches on it. I mean, yeah, no, you can't skip that one. That, that That's an all timer right there where the impact Lucha Underground has a lot of real fun stuff. And I, like you said, I think when it's all said and done, we might talk about it as being one of the best cards. But like I can see those guys regularly. You can see a lot of those. Ma- I mean, none of the matches are must see. It's a great card, but it's not like, OK, this is my one opportunity to see fucking, you know, Daisuke Sakamoto and, and, and Sawa and Zack Sabre. Like, you, know, you got to do that. You got to go to that yeah. show. So no, that's I, the I, show with Sakamoto versus Keith Lee, right? The super. Show. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, come Sabre on versus uh, Sawa, which is just incredible. <laughs> What's where's the Osprey? Um, the Osprey versus uh, Riddle. Uh, yeah, where's which, That's which one? Super Show as well. That's yeah, I mean, you gotta yeah. go to the Super Show, Got, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, that show for sure. What am I missing on Evolve 103 in favor of the Rev Pro? Um, I don't know if I had the full Evolve 103 show right now. I thought the last time I looked at it, just kind of said, um, some names that we're getting on there. Let me see. It's Evolve versus the World, I think, is the theme for that show, which uh, doesn't bode well, and it's got to be a gimmick. Uh, you're missing Jaka versus Sawa. You're missing Keith Lee versus Austin Theory. Uh, you're missing Air Fox, DJ Z, Jason Kincaid, Tracy Williams. I, I think you're 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 making the right. Oh, sorry. That was all the shitty matches. That doesn't matter. Matt Riddle versus Daisuke Sakamoto. Uh, yeah. Chris Dickinson versus Travis Banks. Jaka versus Sawa. Darby Allen versus Walter. Nah, I mean, you're you're good. I, Riddle Sekimoto was a hard pill to swallow, but oh, you'll make man, you'll make up I, for it. You'll make up yeah. for it. I think, okay, the and then uh, the wrap up Friday, unopposed. Eleven fifty five. Joey Janela Spring Break too. You got to be, right? be there too, right? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So um, we'd be on pretty similar paths here. I mean, the only difference so far is you would wake up early for Dave <laughs> and Brian. Uh, I'm not waking up early for Dave and Brian, but we'd be at the same wrestling shows. It looks like so. To recap, Friday. If you're coming to piss on me, the crash at noon, Rev Pro at four, WWN Super Show at eight, and Janela Spring Break 1155. Four shows in one day, my friend. I'm up to uh, six shows through two days. 
All right. Uh, and I know you're waking up bright and early 8 a.m. for access because you got uh, AJ Styles as a VIP. No, I'm, uh, okay. I'm not hanging out with the replica belt geeks ever. But, Joe, 11 a.m., Wrestling Revolver, Pancakes and Pile Drivers. Is it happening? Are you doing it? What's the competition? They got progress at noon. And? And Festival of Honor. The Festival of Honor, which is what, a little two-match show, right? Uh, I think, well, I think that's more of a, I don't even know if they're doing matches on that one. They are. Oh, they are doing matches? Okay, I thought they were just kind of doing, like, guys talk at at a booth or whatever. No, I think they're doing two women's matches. I think, um... No, well, the one, no, 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 the one's going on, it's it's the pre-show on Supercard of Honor, and then they're doing the actual Women of Honor final on the actual Supercard of Honor. I don't know that they're doing matches for this one. Oh, I was confused. All right, well, then that's garbage, then. Why would anyone go It's just like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a convention of sorts. Like, we're really not quite sure what that is we I, I did like a preview of it yesterday and we we're really kind of unsure as to what you're supposed to do i guess the idea is that like if you're really hardcore about rh you get there at 12 30 and you stay till 7 30 but why the fuck would you do that when you could go to all these other shows so it looks like progress at 12 is is, is your obvious pick here right yeah i mean that was an easy one because i'm going to the crash instead so i wasn't going to miss progress altogether so i get yeah, an hour progress. of pancakes an hour of pancakes though and pile drivers included you know, the pancakes might be the best part of that. I would not go to Pro Wrestling Revolver. Maybe I, I may have blown off the block if there was no progress show. I'm just not into Pro Wrestling Revolver. So, um, yeah, progress was the easy decision. So I'll get my progress fix uh, to start my Saturday. And it's kind of light here. You got, uh, I don't think you're doing this, but I could, uh, maybe I'll be surprised. Saturday, April 7th, uh, 3 p.m., Combat Zone Wrestling. A little CZ dub for Joe Lanza. What? What's the competition? Uh, the competition, okay. So you got Shimmer uh, at 4 p.m. And then you really have nothing until Supercard of Honor at 7.30 and then Takeover and Style. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But yeah, as far as direct competition for CZW, you got CZW at 3, Shimmer at 4. That's about it. There's really nothing else going on. Yeah. Um, we are tentatively going to Combat Zone Wrestling. Joe Lanza oh boy. might be at a CZW show. You're doing this to yourself. Just go enjoy a, a nice meal somewhere. What are you doing? That's the thing. I, I have to find time for Alan and Sarah. This would be a great spot because I don't think they're going to CZW or Shimmer. So I got to get together with them. This might be a good spot to take them out to the meal I've been promising them for three years. Um, there's other people that want to meet up with me in New Orleans. If I can't, if I don't make plans for that block of time, I'm going to go to some wrestling. I'll go to the CZW show. But it's tentative at this point. Right. And you're looking for any excuse not to go to that show. I anybody who invites you for a meal, anybody who says, hey, let's go hang out or whatever, you are open uh, to do that to avoid comments on wrestling. But if nothing comes up, if no one's available, Joe will be at CZW. All right. Uh, and then we have uh, the nightcap of Saturday. So you got Saturday, April 7th, of course. Uh, you got Supercard of Honor going on at 7.30. That is running up against NXT TakeOver at 8. WN Style Battle also at 8. Joe, what are you picking? Are you doing TakeOver? Are you doing Style Battle? Does Fred Yehi finally get his... Uh, his <laughs> actually, he's not on the show, so forget that. Uh, then the Supercard of Honor. Are you doing... Uh, w- which one are you going with? There's a lot of tough choices on this one. This is a three-way battle. I think Gabe knows he was going to get slaughtered. Um. So I'm going to shock the world. My first choice was style battle. I'm going to tell you why. It was all gen- it was first come first serve general admission seating. So you get a ticket for 20 bucks, you could sit in the first row if you get there early. That was uh, a nice draw. Number 2, I was kind of into the tournament until it fell apart. Um Yay High won't be there. They put people in the tournament that hadn't won style Bowser in a year. As a dorky sports fan, I'm annoyed 
that this isn't the proper conclusion. But we knew. I mean, you knew that this thing wasn't going to. I'm sorry. I'm annoyed by that. Yeah, no, I know. And we changed our minds. Oh, wow. And we are going to Supercard of Honor instead. Ooh, a heel turn.